I don't know how we start this podcast. It's been a long day. Been yep. looking at ice skater boys all day. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Which one's your favorite? Yurio, definitely. Like that's without question. Is Yuri from Yuri on Ice anybody's favorite? He's a self insert. <laughs> He's just, like you're meant to think. Oh, I'm this little Japanese ice skater boy. I don't think so. He's very much his own character. But but when you look at his place in the story, it's like he's the center of it. Ah, I don't see anybody rushing to cosplay that, yeah, him. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I mean. Like people want to be Victor or Yurio more than they want to be Yuri. It's because he just has black hair and no one wants to wear just a black hair wig. Do you, do you want to cosplay Yuri? No. <laughs> and your girlfriend could be Victor. She's been tossing this idea around. I think I think you'd make a good, you know, blank canvas for everyone to. <laughs> yeah, I think like <laughs> the, I'd, I'd say a lot of like a lot of negative things about Neve, but she is just kind of this like just sort of empty person that I feel like any any personality couldn't have it. You know that kind of way. The main character mostly. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Like uh, you're, you're, you're you're like a background Chan. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be Odebeck, who is a background chan. Who's Odebeck? Exactly. He's the he becomes Yorio's friend. Oh, the the, the uh, guy from Ukraine. Like, he has a bike and a leather jacket. Yeah, the, the, all those skaters, except the the sleeping beauty guy and Chris Kristoff. Yeah, Kristoff. Mm. They all just like blended into one for me. For me, Kristoff's the main character. Absolutely, he's pretty good. And JJ is the antagonist of the whole series. JJ's great. I like JJ. Welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. We are here with episode 43. And next to me, I have... Two of the finest business minds to ever walk the earth. Bra- ba- back from her recent trip from America, it's Ohio State Salesman of the Year, two years running. It's Neve. Hi, everyone. And inventor of the last greatest Swiss Army knife you will ever need. It is the most marketable man in video games. Brian. Hey, everybody. I am made of money. And with you always, I'm your host, John. So, I've been watching a lot of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, me too. Um, and I think, Brian, we're watching it the exact same way because we're not watching it, but our girlfriends are watching it. Yeah, and we drop in occasionally yeah, yeah. and kind of piece together the lore. Yeah. I think that's a really genuinely good show. And yeah. I never appreciated it when I was little, but like... It, I think the writing is like the writing's okay. The writing's pretty decent, but the actors are so fucking funny, and like their timing is so good that like it really makes it more than just shitty sitcom. It's a well-oiled machine. It is a well-oiled machine, and if you watch it for long enough, Hillary will eventually cosplay one of your favorite anime characters. She was Jairo Zapelli uh, in a recent episode. She had a uh, a studded vest that was in a kind of a three by twelve grid. Of buttons, it was very very cool. Uh, in another one, I uh, she was like, kind of like Jotaro. She had a hat like Jotaro's, and then in another one, she was like just fucking full on Miles Edgeworth. Like it was uncanny. She had like a purple suit with ruffled sleeves, and I was like, "What's happening?" It was great. I really really like jazz in it. Jazz is great. 
Uh, Is he DJ Jazzy Jeff? Yeah. Wow. He looks completely different now. Um, but I'm also a big fan of the Eric Andre show. And I think what Hannibal Barres is going for in that is very similar to jazz, where it's just this kind of very laid back monotone guy. And he always has the shades on. So it's very hard to kind of read his actions. I like um, every time they throw him out. Because for the first, like, four seasons, he's always wearing the same shirt when they throw him out. So it'll, like, he'll be wearing one shirt, and then it'll cut, and it'll be him being tossed out, and he's wearing another shirt. Because they didn't want to keep recording that. Really? Uh-huh. Because the ones I watched, it, 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 it's always got the continuity of the clothes. Not in the early, early seasons. In the earlier ones. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. But yeah, that show is great. And, like, it's also, like, weirdly political. Like, to the point that I think if that was a new show now... Like, right now, the way things are, people be like, what the fuck? You can't say this stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of the jokes, because it's early 90s LA that kind of reflects the Rodney King era of LA and those riots and mm. the treatment of, of of people. And so some of the jokes kind of hit hard. Yeah. There's, um, there's a lot of heart in there, I think. Like, it's it's a pretty cool show. Um, one of you has been watching the OJ Simpson. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing that's a story from so long ago that is so relevant now. Yeah. That it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. What do you think of it? The O.J. Simpson team. Yeah. The people. Um, I've, so I've only watched the first episode and I thought it was like fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. David Schwimmer as... Yeah. Oh, that man's Rob a delight. Kardashian, he's so good. Yeah. And it's Cuba Gooding Jr. as O.J. Yeah. Yeah. It's and amazing. I've um I've I, I watched like a bunch of I watched like a documentary on OJ Simpson and I also watched his special uh Juiced, which is an OJ Simpson's prank show that takes place after the murders, and it's there's an episode of it on YouTube, you can watch it. It's really it should not exist. But Cuba Gooden Jr. is like fucking killing it as OJ Simpson. Like it's uncanny how like good he is at like his mannerisms and the way he talks and stuff. Yeah, because like they 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 look nothing alike in real life. So when you have a role like that, like it's really just down to hand gestures yeah. and the way you carry yourself to it's, get the performance. It's even like just like the weird little speech patterns, you know. Um, it's really cool as well because like at least have you watched many episodes of it? I finished it. Yeah, you think it yeah. it, it holds up all the way through? Oh yeah, it's amazing. Oh man, I'm so excited because this is probably one of the best TV shows I've watched in a while. One yeah. of the best things to do is to Google the character just to see how well the casting has gone. Everyone looks amazing and so spot on. Do you know who's terrifying? Who? John Travolta. Yeah, John oh, Travolta. Now I don't. I hate saying mean things about people's appearance, but John Travolta looks like a troll who would eat my babies. He has a very scary mouth. He does. Like. I think, I think, I think maybe he got some procedures. I think maybe he should maybe not get any more of them. I think um, one thing I love about the way they're doing it is like, you know, everyone has, everyone has like, you know, their take on whether he did it or not. And it certainly doesn't look too good from my point of view. But I think like the way they've done it is OJ Simpson is either the most tragic character in the world or the most diabolical son of a bitch imaginable. It's, you know, that shot from the end of the first episode, Neve, and it's him standing over the coffin. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what the fuck? I I just, maybe too many bangs to the head, but he had no empathy. Yeah. He just didn't realize the trouble he was in nearly. I don't know if he was faking it. It's it's a fun, 
fantastic series. Did you listen to the This American Life episode about Juiced? Yeah. Just anything about it is creepy. Yeah. It's 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 kind of a bad way. Brian. Yes. Tell us about Homeland season six. Is anybody still watching Homeland? No. I don't think even Michelle's watching it. Neve, you love Claire Danes. I know. I got to season four with it. I really, really like season five. That took place in Germany. Uh, this is season six and it takes place um, on the East Coast. So like New York, uh, but I think it's going to switch over to Washington eventually. And it reflects a parallel of contemporary America where the first female president got elected and there are brewing uh, controversies about it. And uh, Carrie Matheson, played by Claire Danes, is going to fucking have to figure it out. That sounds like something I'd like to watch. Yes. But I really dropped off hard with it. Oh, really? I don't I don't know. Like, Claire Danes wasn't enough. It's the other guy acting alongside with her. Don't, I, I really like that me. guy. He, he just sort of came in in season two because mm. they realized that the other guy, uh, the ginger guy, wasn't going anywhere. Oh, what? They've gotten rid of the ginger guy? He's gone. He's dead. Okay. Maybe I dropped off earlier than I imagined. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll go back to it. But it's just one of those shows that the first season when it came out, it won all the Emmys and it like pushed Breaking Bad out of the way of their kind of, their, their kind of tree in a row. For... I think their whole terrorism thing was like perfectly timed mm-hmm. for what people wanted to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's just really, really unusual because the show is still going, but they don't, like, it's really, really hard to kind of come up with what's what's the next season. Um, I really, really like when a kind of 12-episode series comes back every year and they're trying to do something new with it. Mm. Um, and I just really, really like Claire Danes. Neve, you have watched a new show. Yeah. Legion. Did any of you guys watch it? No, not yes. yet. Oh, oh, Brian, you will love it. I don't know, like, there was a certain part in it, and I was like, John is going to be so angry. Do I know the part? Go on. I want to say it. Whatever part you think is correct. It's kind of half a spoiler, though. It's not, even. It's genre. Tell tell people about (laughs) it. There's a goddamn dance scene in it. Oh, cool. I love dancing. Yeah. And that's like, I was watching it. I was like, bet you John hates this because he hates dance. Did you hate it? You've, you were very excited about this show. Tell the people about the show. Okay, Legion is kind of an X-Men spin-off show. It's about the character of Legion, who is a... Wait, this is official Marvel? Kind of yes, kind of no. Is this just someone has picked up the license for this weird yeah, nebulous character? it can't have any of the characters from the film. It can't have the okay. Fox characters. It they can't have can any mention to X-Men either in it. They can't use the word mutant? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Wow. So they're kind of skirting around that, but Legion is a character who has shown up in the X-Men um, comics for years. Um, the style of the show is insane. It's kind of the 70s future funk. It has really like graphic cinematography and set dressing and costuming. It like looks amazing. I've never seen a TV show given this level of high concept treatment. Maybe like Hannibal where they're really sticking to the look. This is like every single room is blocked out in individual colours and there'll be a pop of orange and this lime green that continues out. And it kind of looks closer to Suspiria just in crazy pink and red lighting. Anyway, it was a fantastic first episode 
It's about this guy. He's in a mental hospital because people think he's crazy, but he's not. He's a mutant. So the FBI figure out, it's kind of a prequel to all the X-Men stuff. They kind of figure out mutants are among us and this guy might be one, but this Legion only thinks that he's mentally ill. He doesn't realize the power he has yet. And at the end of the first episode, he's um, broke out of the facility and is kind of on his journey. Really, really top class first episode of anything. John, what did you think? I hated the show. Oh, I'm sorry, I hated it so no. much. Why? Oh, I what? thought it was. I just thought it was awful. I it, thought the acting was awful. I thought the writing was awful. Is the show super campy? Yeah, it is. It's campy. There's dancing. It is, but in like a way that it takes itself like super seriously. It doesn't. <laughs> How did you get seriousness out of it? Because there's it's... like a bunch of people just sitting around in rooms talking really serious about stuff. But look at the room, John. There's a red, ca- candy red table. There's a guy in a green suit with an afro like whittling a dog that he puts like, you know. It's... That, and that's all, that's all fine. But just the dialogue and like even the acting like fucking hell. Neve, I'm sorry. I know you love this show, but I struggled to get through that first episode. And oh my I'm god! Never watching it again. You're such a dirt baby. <laughs> what dirt baby? A dirt baby, dirt baby, John. How do you like Aubrey Plaza is in it, and like yeah. she's shite, and it's no, like she's... how do you make Audrey, Aubrey Plaza bad? <sighs> I'm sorry, Neve. Like, what did you? Okay, what did you think of the like costuming or the set dressing? It was interesting, mm-hmm. but like I just felt. Like, someone was like, oh, we have this shot where, like, two people are sitting at a desk. Can you make that look interesting? And the guy was like, yep, yeah, sure. And he didn't ask what was going on. He didn't ask, like, the dialogue or the narrative or anything because it just did not feed into it. It just felt like aesthetic for aesthetic's sake. It is not. It is not. They're I, in a I, mental I, hospital. It is like this hexagon room with this little little box room in the middle where, where you just get your drugs. People go up to little windows <laughs> to get their drugs and their little yellow cups and it's like everything's color coded. It's not even spelled out. It's like people with yellow in their uniform are kind of high level patients. People with red are low level. And it's just really clever design that goes into it. He like flips open a book at one stage and it's like an iPad inside it. And you're like, oh, is this future past? Who fucking knows? It's cool. Can I say a line of dialogue from it? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> you guys think we're weird. But people thought Albert Einstein was weird. <laughs> Yo, you got... They did. They did, yeah. And, and it's true. And, and he, he saved the world. But that character is a bit of a weenie. Like, I don't think that's like the show's... Like, like I thought they were all weenies. I thought everyone in it was a weenie. Even Aubrey Plaza is a weenie? Yeah. Yeah, oh my they're, god. They're, they're in a mental <laughs> hospital. They're not in a good place. So look, this is one of those things where I am just tonally repulsed by this thing. <laughs> I'm probably going to wait until a few episodes are out, but I'm really curious to watch this. And I'm going to watch oh it God. without any preconceived notions. I'm just going to give it a fair chance. Well, look, like one of us really hates it and one of us really <laughs> loves it. So you are on a complete spectrum. You you could think anything in the world of it. Well, like if I absolutely love it, does that mean you're wrong? Or if I absolutely hate it, does that mean Neve's wrong? Is that what's is no. this what's happening? Well, in the universe, in the tiny universe that is this podcast, yes, that's exactly what it means. Because it's that fucking petty. Because it's, you know, it's majority rule on this podcast. Well, actually, to be fair, it is majority rules, Neve. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we, 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 we are the queens and John's a dirt baby. Oh my God. <laughs> I love dirt oh, baby. Jesus Christ. I don't matter, like, it really doesn't matter what it is about Legion. I just like that the word dirt baby came out of it. I think that's very, (laughs) that's sweet. 
look, we have no choice but to move on. Okay. Do you have anything else to say about Legion? I know, I know, I re- I know you love this show, and it pains me to to be this not into it. I think if you like good storyboarding or like nice constructed shots, it's worth watching. Like if you draw, it might make you want to draw. Like if you and storyboarding, it might make you want to do that. It was one of those things that afterwards you're just like, I want to go and do something creative. It was a treat to behold. (laughs) (laughs) Neve refuses to break eye contact the entire time she's saying all this. So, so the show is just, it's got very, very strong art direction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But does the art direction like, that like if a character is embarrassed, is the room red to reflect that tonally? No, no. The room is like these like like it's manky seventies because they're in the mental okay. hospital. Yeah, so it's very pastiche. shit goes wrong. Like he's like there's a mental breakdown, and this is he's a really powerful mutant. Everything starts flashing red in and oh my god, there's like a Freddy Krueger, Freddy Nightmares moment in it as well. Like it's <laughs> there's some really good visuals in it. Did you not think the main actor was like really terrible? I like he 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 wasn't the one that really tied me into it. Um, he was the weenie. Yeah, he's a weenie. Like he's he's like a good boy. You know, he's not going to be my favorite character, but I want to see favorite character. Um, I like the two people who were hunting him in the car. It's a black guy and a girl. They had like amazing outfits on. <laughs> they were good. I bet this show is amazing. Why? Neva <laughs> Because I trust Neve's opinion more than yours. That's so mean. <laughs> oh my god, that's so mean. You <laughs> motherfucker. I'm just winding up. I trust neither of you. Neve, tell us about Resident Evil, the final chapter. Okay, now to solidify <laughs> that I have amazing opinions. <laughs> um, the final chapter... In the Resident Evil franchise. This is franchise. definitely, this is definitely the last <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> it ends and she's like, guess that wasn't my family. You know, she's like, it's pretty much, uh, no. Final chapter part two is going to be out next year. Yeah, because she opens up and she's like, this is my story. The last part of my story. And at the end, she's like, nah, it's cool. I guess I'm here. <laughs> I really hope it's like Resident Evil 7, the final chapter. Resident Evil 7, the final chapter part two. And then Resident Evil 8. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so down for that. This movie is no better or no worse than any other Resident Evil movie, which means if you like them and you enjoy them, you'll get a lot out of this. Okay, picture the scene. You They go in a door, just a giant door, and then there just happens to be a giant fan. The only explanation is, it's probably like their air duct. <laughs> Rebecca next to me, my girlfriend, just goes, oh no. Because once you see a giant fan in Resident Evil, you literally know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's going to get liquidated. And it happens. And you're happy for it. So, no good, no no better, no worse. There is a thing that I didn't like about it. One of the best parts of the Resident Evil movies are boss fights. The boss fights in this is kind of weak. Wesker was kind of just a throwaway character okay, in this. Okay, I think... Um- we're going to have to come back to the boss fight in Resident Evil because, Brian, you linked this to us earlier and I think we are... No, gonna... no. This is a different film. Yeah, I know. Because, okay. it, like, you linked us a boss fight from one of the previous films mm-hmm. earlier today. Yeah. And it blew my fucking mind. It's from S- Resident Evil Afterlife. We're going to come back to which, that. Which, which okay. is the fourth one, I believe. Yeah, fourth one. So, sorry to interrupt me. You keep going. So, the boss fights in this aren't as good. Wesker gets taken out pretty quickly. Another thing that isn't great is... 
fight scenes are probably one of the main reasons to watch this. The editing of these fight scenes is done really quickly, really choppy. They cut angles when you're at a point of impact. It's not, you don't really get the sense of what's happening. And that's a real point against it because there's good choreography happening and good like fights happening. It's just not visually there. So yeah, good Resident Evil. Happy they exist. Yeah, I, because I think I watched the first one of these Years ago, two thousand and two like, was the first. Jesus yeah. Christ! I remember seeing years that. Ago? I remember seeing that in the cinema. Um, I, I don't think I was old enough at the time, so it was a big deal. And it was a box office success. Yeah. Um, and I'd heard like I know that this this film franchise has kind of split off from the games, except for like they shared like a similar pool of characters, but the story was totally different. Well, it's called the video game characters, but mm-hmm. it's got Alice, who's an original character, but she meets all of them. And sometimes she's friends with them. Sometimes she has rivalries with them. But um, you linked us, Brian, the fight with Albert Wesker. Yeah. So this is like the first time you see him and he's like the main villain at the end. Mm-hmm. And this was just incredible. Yeah. Like I have, n- I don't even know how to describe it. Cause like, like, on the surface, I'm like, hey, this is a bad fight. But <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's, well, like, bad as in, like, you're not like, oh, these people are trying to kill each other. Like, you don't, you don't feel like this is a big encounter at the end of a movie. No, it's cheesy and it's there's no really tension. It's cheesy and there's no tension and it's amazing. It's so good. That's what they do well. That's, yeah. That's I, like, the I magic wanna, of I want to go back and watch it all now. It's so confident in its own inabilities. <laughs> and even the editing was so strange and jarring. It was like, no, you don't, you don't cut there. And it's like, it was, I couldn't believe it. I really, really like the second Resident Evil because it's got Jill Valentine. Yes. That film is fucking cool. One, two, and three are kind of arguably good movies. Yeah, because I remember when I watched the first one, I didn't at the time think it was like a bad movie. No, they're like or, or even that cheesy. They're kind of like you know, B tier. You're gonna have a good time, but like, there's nothing crazy weird in them. Yeah. Then like five, four, five, and six is just when they're like, okay, we're gonna shoot this like a commercial. There's gonna be loads of slow motion. It's gonna be crazy boss fights, and the story doesn't really not matter. So like, they're amazing still, but in a special, different, special way. Yeah, because I I enjoyed the hell out of the the Wesker fight. Like it was. Mm-hmm. There's a bit where a dog leaps at a woman and the woman kicks a piece of shattered glass into the dog in slow motion and kills it she's very very smart she looked really cool um i think we'll just loot drop that particular clip yeah special bonus loot drop for sure okay and with that we are going to move into our strategy talk segment This is the video game portion of our podcast, or more specifically, the video games we've been playing. And Neve, I'm going to start with you because you have been playing Fire Emblem Heroes. I have. Um, I've been putting a lot of time into this. How much time? I have two teams that are about level 30. Wow. So, I don't know, a fair amount, maybe 10 hours? 10 hours? Yeah. Tempted to put any money in? I haven't come to, like, okay, there's a sweet spot after release where things take less stamina and training towers are, like, less stamina, which is kind of where you would probably spend the most is your stamina points. You get 50 and there's a cost for every map. Yeah. Ranges from 2 up to 11 mm-hmm. when you get up into the higher levels. So I can see that's where you would, but I haven't ran into a situation where I've had to spend any yet. But, like, once my stamina runs out, I'm totally okay with leaving it, putting it down. 
Like there's nothing really in it that's grabbing me to be like, I need to continuously play this even though I don't have stamina. So the thing that was grabbing me was I really wanted Tarja. I mm-hmm. really, really wanted to get Tarja. And I was like, well, look, I'll just keep playing till I get Tarja. And then, you know, I'd roll a few times and I didn't get her. And so then um, I was looking at, like, the price list. I was like, well, you know, I could maybe just put in a couple of books, see if I get Tarja. And I was kind of thinking about it. But it was about that time that Kotaku released an article and oh, it was yeah. called Man Spends Nearly $1,000 on Fire Emblem Heroes and Still Doesn't Have... Who was it? Hector. 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 Yeah. Who was... I, I, I've got a five-star Hector. Now, here's the crazy thing, because Brian downloaded it, and me and Brian were out for dinner, as we will do on occasion, and I was like, go on, open it up, let's see what you got. And Brian didn't really want to, because he didn't want to become addicted. Yeah. And Brian, you, you tell the story. How did your how did your first pull for a character go? So I guess it's kind of like Love Live, where you, you kind of do a blind box about who you're going to get, and you might get duds, or you might get, like, the fucking best characters. On my first go, I got a five-star Marth, five-star Hector, uh, four-star Robin. Um, they're basically like top-tier characters. The yeah. game, I, for me, I play the game on autoplay because I don't need to play it ever. Yeah, because for me, it was like purely just the, I want to collect these characters. And then I was like, wait a minute, I should just go get Conquest. Yes. And so I deleted it. I'm still going with it. You enjoying it? Yeah, like I got, my role was not as good as that. My first role was pretty good. And then I was like, I can do better. And I couldn't and it sucked. Um, and I finally got to a place where I got three, four stars and one five star. And I was like, okay. And I got a four star Tarja. So I'm pretty good with that. Fuck. And a five star Effie, who is just a tank. Does yeah. does Tarja have like a good animation? Yeah. I really, really like the drawings of yeah, the cool. characters. Mm-hmm. Some of the older characters are from like the Game Boy Advance games, things like that. They use a different art style for them. I'm sure you've noticed it. And then some of them are original characters and they have like this really dramatic shading on them. Mm. Um, so it does have like a weird mixed art style. Yeah. Um, but like, I-, I liked most of them. Like they didn't blend very well, but I thought they looked good at least. It kind of reminds you of Danganronpa where none of the character models kind of hook up that well. Yeah. I think they're all different illustrators who are popular who did like batches yeah, of them. For sure. So I think that's a selling point for other people because like the voice actor is a selling point for a lot of people as well. Where it wouldn't really be my cup of tea. Yeah. I never, I never get how fanatical people get about voice actors. Yeah. I guess it's the closest to a real solid representation of something you love or something. I guess so. Yeah. I think if I met the Simpsons voice actors, I'll be pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I'd, like meeting Hank Azaria, I'd say he's got some fucking cool stories. I'd say so. Yeah, I never want to meet anyone I care about ever. <laughs> Neve, everyone. <laughs> but you do a podcast with your two favorite people. Yeah, yeah well, you know, people in the whole meeting world. someone famous. <laughs> John's famous. I knew him pre-fame. <laughs> Don't let the fame get to you, buddy. Huh? So. The game is really. Uh, Nicely, nice amount of work put into it. There's a nice animation on all the characters, and it, there's parallaxing little backgrounds when you go in. It yeah. feels good to move the characters around, mm-hmm. like just dragging the characters around and dropping them on an opponent. That feels good, and they really nailed that. I'm I'm happy to continue with it. Yes. I don't think I'm ever going to addicted to it. I had the exact feeling of like I should probably just get conquest because I'd have more fun yeah. with it. Although I went to Smiths to try and pick up conquest afterwards, and. Uh, 
They had a bunch of Conquest boxes and just sold out stickers on all of them. So I wonder, is this thing driving up sales of the previous Fire Emblem games? When I was trying to get Awakening, I had so much trouble trying to get it in a shop. They were like, we got the first stock in and we never restocked it. It's a niche JRPG in Ireland. Because I just, I saw some... Your your problem with Birthright, Brian, was just weak waifus. Not good. Uh, yeah. Well, they're... they're it's got a fake Tarja, and she's the lesbian character, and I was role-playing as uh, a female lesbian avatar, so mm. I went right for that, and that was pretty good. That's cool. Uh, the rest of the girls can't remember them. Because I saw, I, saw I saw some pretty good prospects in, uh, in Conquest, and I was like, yeah, you know what, this, is, this, could, this could work out. Some prior material. I think I even know which one you're talking about. Uh, there's, there's a, yeah. It's like a castle. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Camilla. <laughs> Who's that? You know exactly who Camilla is. The, the one with purple hair. The boob witch. Yeah, the boob witch. <laughs> she plays around with a dragon and well, she has an axe. Yeah, she seemed pretty cool. She's a wavering rider. But then there's another girl with, like, blue hair. Do you know the one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's cool. They're both... They're, I, would, I would be honoured to, to be with either of them. She has, In like... The game. She's got like oh, frost God. blue hair, so she kind of looks like a slush puppy. That kind of color blue. What's her name? Girl. <laughs> is she on? She's a mounted one. She's the yes, Farina for Farina. I have no idea. I have a five star one of her. I think I have a four star. <laughs> God damn it, Neve. She's my angel. stop taking all my women. <laughs> That's cool. Um, but yeah, like I think I think like the thing I said to you, Neve, about it was like I think that game's a good mobile game. I don't think it's a particularly good game, mm-hmm. but I think. If you want to tap away at something while you're watching a movie or a TV show, that's there's probably way worse ways to go. It kind of made me a bit disappointed for what Animal Crossing will be. You can kind of see where the trappings will be in terms of cooldown counters. Like, this is a really well-made free game that from Nintendo. We're more than likely going to get the same standard from everything else they release for mobile. So it's kind of like, oh, what will their mobile games be like? We know now. They're they're mobile games. They're fun. Yeah, I was never I was never expecting anything else really. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see what Animal Crossing is, just because I think there's a bunch of different ways they could take it. It like, could be like a farming sim game, yeah, because that's pretty popular as an app. Already. But all these mobile games, it's like just buy the actual game nearly if you really love it that's what you'll do you'll buy the game if you're kind of casually into it will you drop that much money into it i have no interest in putting money into fire and yeah, yeah. what, what's the crazy figure it's like 0.05 percent of people who play mobile games that most of the money is generated from so the it's whales. the whales yeah. Yeah. yeah and like you know i don't feel tempted to become a whale for fire Emblem heroes but those guys exist mm-hmm. for sure and brian you okay watch two yeah, uh, I thought I'd finished the Okai Watch 2. It turns out I hadn't, uh, but I'm just about to finish it now. That game is the gift that keeps on giving. I really, really like that game. Yeah. Um, the third game came out in Japan on the 3DS, like, I think during the summer. So I I don't know if it's going to come out over here, if the Switch is going to be out. But sometimes they do do 3DS or past console releases. Mm. Um, but I really, really like supporting Okai Watch I think it's cool. Yeah, I really, really want to pick up one of them. Um, it starts off very, very similar to the first game, but it's definitely a different game by the end of it. Cool. It's a very, like, because 
it's it's the exact same world and map of the first game, but a few more places to visit, but they're not reusing the same locations for the okay. same kind of scenarios. So you know the way in Pokemon, like you go around the eight gyms, you fight the gym leaders, you go to the Elite Four, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. How does Yokai Watch escalate? Like, what's the what's the story there? You'll play a story that seems to be building towards, um, because at at the start of this game, you get your watch stolen and your memories of the Yokai get set back to zero. Oh no! And it was done by uh, these two evil witch Yokai. So from time to time, you you will encounter them, and they're kind of like more main story focused. Are they, uh, so there's like a big bad. Oh yeah. But then there's like, there, there, like, it, it's really broken into like episodic chapters because there's one just about Jibin Yan's backstory and they borrow heavily, heavily from the TV show and vice versa. Mm. But this is like, uh, between episode 20 and 30 of the TV show and the first Yokai Watch movie as a video game. Yeah. It's really, really cool how they do it. You sound like you're, you really like that series. Yeah, I do. It's, it's my favorite handheld series at the moment for sure. That's cool. If someone was to get into it, do they play the first Yokai Watch or the current one? This um, is an extension of the map, isn't it? Yeah, it it, it it's fairly. I uh, uh, for me, I I I'd, I'd be happy to recommend the first or the second one. Like there there isn't it, there, there 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 isn't too much of a, a gap between them really. Is there? I I think there was some frust. I remember you having some frustrating stuff with like I can't remember specifically, but it was like menu or something with the first one. I guess the menu system is a bit tighter in the second one. Yeah. But you want, you want point, a tight menu in RPGs. Yeah. Then uh, for for a bunch of streamlined stuff, I'd recommend the second one. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I won't talk about these for too long because I mentioned them both before, but I've been playing Final Fantasy XV and Nier in tandem. And man, like, the more I play, the further apart those two get in my, like, kind of opinion of them. Final Fantasy XV just keeps going downhill, I feel like. I did a I I did the mission where you get the car back. Yeah. And it's just I didn't know what I was doing. Like it's like blow up the tanks and you're like okay and so I blew up the tanks. I spent like ages going around this massive complex and like climbing in turrets and trying to spot all these tanks to blow up. But then it turns out I didn't need to blow up the tanks. I needed to kill all the guards, which I couldn't do because one of them had clipped into a wall and literally couldn't see him for ages until finally I was like, there he is, and killed him. And the mission took like an hour and it was, it was bad. I did get my first summon. Ramu came along and uh, that looked really cool. Like that looked really, really impressive. But it is just that kind of thing where, and actually we had got a few comments about this last week, just saying about how like, in the narrative of that world, the gods are kind of fickle, and so they decide when to come along. And I think that's all well and good, but it really takes away from the gameplay aspect of mm-hmm. that thing, because there's no strategy in when you pick them. Like, when to summon was such a big part of the earlier games, especially in ten when they actually mm-hmm. fought for you, and you know, you could make them take a big hit. That was really important. And I really feel like that's missing, and I feel... That is a combat system that really needs an extra layer or two. Because most yeah. of the time I'm just holding attack and waiting to use potions. That comment was like a really good narrative reason for yeah, that. Like totally. if you want to like build a narrative in your head while you're playing, that's a good one. The gods are fickle. And like Ramu seems to like me way more than Shiva or bah- Bahama or anyone else. He showed up all the time. But like Aranea Highwind is the exact same concept. She helps you out later on. She'll just drop into battle 
but she chooses when she wants to do that as well. So it used to happen, her cutscene of her dropping in takes so long that by the time she dropped in, I'd finished fighting and she lands and then goes, well, guess you don't need me and then disappears again. And I was like, I had no choice. I did not call you. Oh, really? Yeah. And I felt like I was wasting her time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm still playing it because I really want to see this one through. But yeah, God, I, there is some, that game does not flow well. Mm-hmm. Like I got out of, there was a bit where like I, I had lost my car and I went and I spoke to a dog and then the, I had to follow the dog and then I had a dream about a woman and then the woman told me to go to a mountain where I had to touch a stone and then a lightning man showed up. That sounds normal. And the, yeah. A few people have suggested to us that we'd enjoy the narrative more if we look at the media outside it. Well, okay. I will do that. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling it will not help, but I will do that. I've watched all the anime. I'm going to watch Kingsglaive and I'll report back. But my criticism of that is if you have a 50 hour game, like even if you want to go 20 to 50 hours, depending mm-hmm. on which narrative they want to put in. And you can't still tell a cohesive story. And this story doesn't seem big. Like, I'm not drowning in how big it is. Yeah. I'm drowning in how unclear it is. Yeah. If you can't tell the story, given that time frame, there's something wrong with your narrative. That's yeah. just a bad narrative. And I also feel like, I know, like, a big part of it is narrative and, like, the disjointed narrative. But I also feel like the tone of it is so disjointed as well. Because, mm-hmm. like, we were talking about the Yakuza games earlier and how, like, I don't really... I couldn't really tell you what happened in Yakuza 3 at this point. I have a vague idea. But even, like, there were parts where I was like, oh, shit, who's, who's this character? What happens? But that's, that's, that game is so committed to its own tone and its own very particular brand of kind of zaniness that I could always be on board with it. But a lot of time with Final Fantasy 15, I'm like, what am I meant to be feeling? Like, is this meant to be an adventure? You know? And that's kind of a tricky one. Um, on the flip side, I've been playing a bunch of Nier. And... Yeah, no, okay, it's it's only the, the most minor of spoilers, but there's a time skip in here, and I'm now after the time skip, and that game's fucking crazy, holy shit, like, they add, like, before the time skip, you have access to one kind of weapon, just a short sword, and after the time skip, your man can just all of a sudden use, like, big two-handed swords and spears, and they feel so much better they're so much more enjoyable to use and i can't understand why they would lock this behind the time skip there's no narrative reason for it it just the time skip happened and it just goes you can use spears now we could like okay narratively justifying it within the story you can if you wanted to do that the time skip he trained he learned you could but they didn't but i don't mind either because this game is fucking it's so strange and the tone of it is so good but like there's all these really lovely little moments in it. Like, um, you know, you meet that little boy Emil. Yeah. And then him and Kaine have this really weird little moment where she's mm-hmm. like, don't hit your body. It's, it's really cool and sad. And Emil changed. <laughs> <laughs> no, Emil. Um, that game is... Emil an, does not get over that. <laughs> that game is an absolute treasure. And, like, the cutscenes, and he's so mm-hmm. upset. And, like, the voice actor crying was, like, amazing. And I am, like, all in on this game. I, I haven't enjoyed a game this much in a while. It is it is a pure delight. I'm happy for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a terrific time. I'm sorry Final Fantasy XV isn't... As hot as it was meant to be. Well, you know, I'm kind of fascinated with it as well, because, like, what the fuck is this game? 
maybe the developers got so lost in their own development over the 10 years that they just forgot what it looked like for someone who never seen the game oh for sure like it's a game copy pasted together and like that's the other side of it like yakuza and Nier don't feel like that mm-hmm. they feel like someone had a crazy vision and as ridiculous as it was they followed it through just with final fantasy 15 it just feels like assets pasted together for me look i know a lot of people love that game and you know if you like it awesome but this is just my honest opinion of it if you like it awesome that's great but you can't you really can't defend it for having a good story yeah like four years ago they rebranded it from 13 versus to 15 and you're dealing with kingdoms and kings and like people fighting like big giant communities and land masses fighting that is never represented so when you took away the 13 aspect of it they had to build a new word from the ground up. They had to build a new conflict. And that's where things kind of didn't happen or they had half ideas and they didn't come true. It's like when you change something that's that big so many times, yeah. stuff is going to get lost. I just met Ravis properly for the first time. And it's like... He likes to rave. I wish. And he's just like... It was like they were just like, okay... Now we need a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And like the setting and everything was like, why is he here? Anyway, anyway, look, we'll move on. Brian, you be Resident Evil 7. And we're actually going to do a little bit of a spoiler cast Resident Evil 7 after this. But I think right now we should just do like a little spoiler free walkthrough or spoiler free discussion on that game. Sure. So how are you feeling about it? Uh, It starts off strong, ends weak. Yeah. Um, I'd rank it in the middle of the Resident Evils. Um, I'm going to be like completely fair and say it's better than the Evil Within. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is which is good because like that's a proper. Seriously, Neve. I like the Evil Within. It gets really bad towards the end. I really didn't like the Evil Within, and I I, I I think Shinji Mikami is such a cool uh, game director. Yeah, he's awesome, and he is like the original Resident Evil director, I guess. Like he is the DNA of Resident Evil. I feel like Resident Evil 7 is the best and worst of Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, it feels like the movies. Yeah, yeah, it does a bit. It's kind of stupid. <laughs> Towards the end for me, like, it's hard because I feel like the start of that game is like a 10. Like, three hours in, I was like, fucking game of the year contender right here. This is amazing. And then towards the end, because, like, there's all these, like, these bits and they're so carefully made like you know um, the house and there's all these little alcoves and hatches you can go down to run from the guy and there's that bit where he comes through the wall which is I think one of the best scares in Resident Evil maybe ever and then at the end it's just all these long tunnels where they've dropped the molded who are probably one of the worst monsters that have been in Resident Evil ever they would have been fine if the first time you encountered them Mm. is the last time but they were just so unimaginative and just not fun yeah for sure Um, I just I kind of played through the last third of the game just today and nothing stood out to me as kind of being memorable. No. I can't believe... Oh, I don't want to get too spoilery. No, we, we'll, we'll yeah. talk about okay, it look, later. We'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll leave it. Thank you for listening to be continued very soon. Absolutely. Okay, with that, we're going to move on into our quick time events. <laughs> Valve are working on three full VR games. Sweet. Sure. I think it's interesting that that's what Valve are backing. Yeah, I mean, 
if you're a PC gamer and you're really into it, the chances of you being invested in the Vive or Oculus are kind of higher, I think. Yeah, it's interesting timing, though, because I feel like, you know, you have, you have the whole stuff with the Oculus lawsuit and them paying, like, 500 million to Zenimax, and we'll get into that as well, but I guess the general consensus I kind of feel right now is not, it's not that VR is dead, it's that VR hasn't landed. I traded in my VR. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Holy shit. What made you do it? Nothing was coming out, and I was like, if I'm going to get good money for it, I'm going to get it now. Yep. And I will go, I will be on board for wireless 2.0, you know, the yeah, next version. that's probably a safe bet. I kind of feel like I'm going to pick it up again, but there's... There was just no reason to There's just nothing. After you played what's there, I was kind of like, I don't really want to hold on to something this expensive and wait. Because, like, it is the price of the console. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's interesting to me that, like, that's where the kind of, like, I guess, headspace, the general headspace is right now, and Valve are putting that much resources behind three VR games. Do you think one of them's Half-Life 3? Like, do you think they would do that? Uh, I don't care if it is or not. I don't know if they'll do a solo first-person shooter or a team-based, you know, party shooter like Team Fortress again. Well, one of the reasons people say that, like, Half-Life 3 isn't a thing is because the difference, like, the main difference between Half-Life 1 and 2 was physics. Yeah. You know? And... The physics in Half Life Two were were fine, you know. They were they were they were really interesting for the time, but there hasn't really been a game changer like that since the implement since computers could start pro- pro- processing physics. How about like something that's got the cleverness of a portal, but using VR technology? Like that's what VR games are good at. It's kind of making a simple concept something mind bending. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they would do it for that reason, being like, this is the new technology. But do you think they'd make a Half-Life game or a Portal game in that case? I think it'd be a Portal game. Yeah, because like Half-Life games are so specific in what they are, you know? But if your goal is to sell, like yeah. to se- to move headsets and to sell this game, I mean, what would be the ultimate killer app on a VR headset than Far Cry 3? Not Far Cry 3. Half-Life 3. Half-Life 3. That would do it. Like, that would mm. definitely do it. It's what the people want. Mm-hmm. Well, you know how there's always that, like, the orange box tree that everyone's like, imagine if they did it, where it's just... That's still my favorite conspiracy theory. That, like, they're just going to announce Half-Life Tree, Portal oh, Tree, and Team Fortress Tree. Left for Dead Tree? And no, I think it was just... It, 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 it was just the orange box. Yeah. And it was like, and it's out today. And everyone would lose their shit. Like, I, I would that's not... not... That's not real. It's not real. I would not, like, if any company was going to do it, Valve would. Yeah, because fuck it. Yeah. They could do whatever they want. They own their own company. Anyway, moving on into the real news. <laughs> Street Fighter V, Colleen announced. How pumped are you guys for this? I'm really fucking excited. Where is she from? Uh, I don't know. She's I... never been a playable character. She's like uh, a story character that's like an assistant to someone. In Street Fighter Three. When you get to Gil in arcade mode, mm-hmm. she stands behind him and takes his robe as he derobes. I'm glad that she has a, a role now. Yeah. And she's ice. Yeah. She was in Street Fighter V story mode as well, where she never did anything. And like it didn't seem like she could fight. But now she can fight. I'm not saying Street Fighter characters like to rip off other better characters, especially Five. We'll come back to that. But um, she's she's really... 
she really has a bit of a Dragunov meets Nina Williams meets Zarya, Russian blonde. Like she has like a an alternative outfit that pretty much okay, Nina, looks like Nina I want Williams. You to go home on, I want you to go home after this and I want you to type Kazuya Mishma into a search engine and then I want you to type <laughs> Ryu from Street Fighter and just see what comes up, okay? I know which is the more iconic design. Good. <laughs> and Colleen, is her name like Colleen as in like Irish? They're, pro- or- they're pronouncing it Colleen as yeah. in Irish for girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah Colleen. And I'm just saying Nina Williams, but she looks Russian as well. There's like... Neve, this narrative, like what the fuck are you talking... She looks... She's a counter character. That's awesome. And she has cool grapples. I like her. I'm going to do fan art at some point. Of course you are. Yep. I'm sure you'll be like, after a month, you'll be like, well, I'm not playing Street Fighter Five again, but then they'll have another girl and you'll be like, well, I love this game. Well, the Desco's scheduled to come out, so yeah, for sure. That's how they keep getting you. Um, like, I thought she looked cool. I still, I still don't know what the future is for Street Fighter Five. I think that game is in a weird spot. Hmm. Um, South, South Park, the fractured but whole delayed again. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I, because I, I went to the GameStop Me, last week. Jesus Christ! Fucking an ounce of professionalism. <laughs> oh yeah, I see. Such it now. a good name. Yeah, it is. Um, I I was in GameStop last week and it said it was coming out like uh, at the end of March, and I was like, but there hasn't been an update on this game since September last year. This game's getting fucking delayed past the quarter. And do we know because did they give an actual date on it? No, they just said it was like the end. Of their fiscal year, so that's anywhere between April 2017 and March 2018. God, the idea that this could come out in 2018. Yeah. Um, the first game had like three or four delays, so. Oh, the first one got delayed for the better part of a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was originally, it was originally meant to be Skyrim South Park. Yeah. And so imagine the journey that took it from that to what it is. Then I think when they gave it at a release. Um, date. It was like 2012 and it didn't come out till 2014 anyway. Yeah. So if they've had trouble development. Um, it's, it, it, it is a little disappointing, but at the same time, I feel like there's so much shit out now. I cannot be sad for yeah. any game getting delayed unless it's like, you know, like a Zelda or a Persona. That would hurt. Please don't do that. It's so soon. Yep. Um, what do you guys think of E3 tickets available to the public? More fucking queues. That's what I think. <laughs> I think it's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. It, it is good, but I would not ever attend one of those things. I mm. hate queuing so much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why if you had, like, as a member of the public, like, they were doing 15,000 tickets to the public. At Which the I think first... it's 10% of the attendance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the way E3 works is that the first few days are reporters, mm-hmm. and then the last two or three days is when they open it to general public is anyway, yeah. isn't it? But I feel like if you... From what I've heard, if you are, like, in any way clever with your registration form, no matter what you do, you can get in. Yeah. It's actually kind of sucks because this is probably the first time we could have actually gone to E3. Not that we want to, but... Mm-hmm. But because we're notable personalities on the internet to an extent to mm-hmm. talk about games. Enough to get into E3, yeah. which is not a high bar. Because um, it probably feeds more into the whole thing that less and less reporters and journalists' opinions are of value... And let's players that are hype machines are where it's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even I think Alex Navarro was talking about how 
you know, when you go to E3 now, you see a bunch of people with selfie sticks and like doing reaction shots and stuff like that. And, you know, everyone has their own thoughts about it, but it's also that doesn't seem like something you can fight. Yeah, it's kind of like an end of an era. But if you hear anyone who kind of disparages E3, not in a bad way, but kind of says, what is the use of it? It's people who are in games media. They're like, we don't need this anymore. Yeah, and on like a practical level, you absolutely don't. Yeah. Like, I mean, the internet has... Like, because E3 used to be the only place you could go to look at these trailers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And now you don't need that. You have YouTube, you have viral marketing, you have all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it seems like some place like Giant Bomb, the only main use they have for E3 is to get a hold of the developers or the CEOs of yeah. Microsoft, whatever, and grill them for half an hour on, yeah. on their stage. And even then, like, um, like they say that they go to E3 now and they barely go to the show floor at all. Mm-hmm. They set up in a hotel near E3 they stream the whole thing and they comment from there. I love the E3 streams. So, like, with that in mind, the people who do get most out of it, like, it's Gamer Christmas. Like, everyone on Twitter and people freaking out in that sense. Mm. I don't think it's in any way a bad sign to have a few, like, 15,000 people on the show floor, like, freaking out there. Yeah. No, yeah, I think it's I don't think totally it, it'll fine. think it'll be business as usual. It'll be a lot of amateur YouTubers and game bloggers and they'll be having a, a blast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they'll be singing the praises of anything. I wonder will it boost E3's popularity? I'd say so. Yeah. Much like the PS4 Pro boost mode. Uh-oh. Uh, that was fuck. fucking exceptional. I gotta give it up to myself there. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Um, so the PS4 Pro now has a boost mode where it's going to, I guess, up the fidelity of older games. Yeah. It lets the GPU and the CPU clock speeds. Um, it opens them up. So games that won't be patched like you know you'll have a pro mode and a standard mode if there isn't a pro mode patch for older titles or ones that developers aren't going to go back and do this will give them a noticeable noticeable bump yeah i think the best the more user case sony can generate for that thing the better because Mm -hmm. that has been one of the most tepid reactions ever i still wish it unlocked Bloodborne to be 60 frames per second. Yeah. Because that's a Sony exclusive. I just thought that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, and, and it's never going to be on PC, so... Yeah, I uh, for me, that would be a reason why I'd buy a PS4 right away. I'm sure I'll own one eventually, because I'm going Would gonna, you buy a Pro just if it could run... Like, I know that's like your, one of your favorite games ever. I'd be very tempted to, yes. Holy shit, well... Um, just because I've... Like, I've got a special edition PS4. I've got the Metal Gear Solid one. But I know I'm just going to trade that off in a year or two anyway. Really? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I kind of had a realization there where I was like, I don't know if I'd ever trade in my my PS4 because it's got PT on it. Yeah. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care. I know, you just wipe it anyway. Yeah, it's I'll, like- just, I'll just watch it. Let's play. Yeah, some guy's just doing it. Yeah. I'm sure at that point some guy will have it, like, dumped on a torrent site. Yeah, and, like, we played PT... Brian. Yeah. And that was like a really fun experience and we're never going to get as good as that again. Fuck no. That and was like, great. That was yeah. that. The end. The fucking the part where we turned the hall and the hall was like a million miles long and just completely red. And we all just experienced that. Oh like, no. That was really good. Yeah. But um, and then Oculus pays 500 million to ZeniMax. This is a weird story. I don't know anything about this. So Oculus and ZeniMax have been in this overdrawn court case where they 
it was all to do with like who owns the technology behind the Oculus Rift because John Carmack left Zenimax to go work for Oculus. Palmer Luckey is involved in there somewhere. And so they recently came to like the result of their court ruling, which was like $500 million from Oculus to Zenimax, which sounds really bad for Oculus until you realize they were being sued for $8 billion. Plus Oculus is owned by Facebook and Facebook basically came out and were like, Eh, we can we can spare five hundred million. Billion or million? Million. Five hundred million. Okay. Sued for eight billion, then got then actually got charged for five hundred million. Okay. Yeah. That that's that's just like changing the couch for Facebook. Yeah, and so Oculus are actually kind of considering this uh like kind of a sort of backwards win because they lost, but they didn't lost anywhere near as bad as they could. But now Zenimax, Zenimax is imposing an injunction on the Rift, trying so that they can't sell it anymore. But we don't know how that's going to go yet. It's good for your chance, everyone. It's a big fucking mess. So they basically, John Carmack and Lucky took trade secrets from one company. It gets tricky. Yeah. Because what John Carmack says is he took the code for Rage. Remember that game? Mm-hmm. And he said. I took the code for Rage, I didn't benefit from it, I didn't use it to make anything in the Oculus. I don't know. But, yep, this is what they're getting me for. There was some shady stuff as well where he had Googled how to do, like clear hard drives. Mm-hmm. So, he took some stuff, which is probably in bad form. How much it connected to Oculus, Yeah, I don't know. But the thing that they were able to get him on was like... It was like some... It, he actually started tweeting about it and he was like... Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. It was like he... He had solved a problem at Zenimax. And they needed to solve the same problem again at Oculus. And he didn't use the same methodology, but it was like based in the same reasoning. Yeah, okay. And the defense made the case that that was also copyright infringement and the jury agreed. And John Carmack's been going like insane, being like, if you showed this to programmers they would tear this apart because it's such bullshit. So, I don't know. But, yeah, it's just another kind of, I guess, speed bump in the whole kind of VR thing. Like, it, I don't know how much of an actual effect it'll have, but it's kind of like, it has not been a smooth ride. The VR hasn't penetrated in the way you think it, you kind of, in the way it could have, I guess. They really need to come down in price. The yeah. Headsets. That's pretty much it. I think the biggest challenge is they need to get VR headsets on people's faces. They need to be like, look, this is VR, and it's not phone VR, like it's actual VR. I still haven't done it, and I'm not going out of my way to do it. I'm not queuing up for it. I just have to see it at a shopping center. Yeah. For free. I'm not paying Apparently for they're everywhere in America, and no one's using them. <laughs> well, I don't want to put gunky shit on my head. Like, well, what if like a, what if like a bad person's been wearing it? When then you get like fucked up eyes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so, and then the final quick time event we have today is the GameSpot Circle of Life. Is this the Polygon article? This was a Kotaku article. Oh, it's a Kotaku article. Yeah. What do you guys know about this? I know there's a Mega Sixty Four sketch that's sort of a. I, th- I thought that was a good sketch. Yeah, that was really really good. So this is Games GameStop the shop. That has a program where its goal is not to sell you new stock, yeah. but to sell secondhand stock. Because they make 100% of the profits off secondhand. Yeah. 
So if you're an employee of GameStop, 30% of your sales at least have to be pre-owned material is the kind of rule. And the way they figure it is that if someone comes in, the way this is what they tell their employees, if someone comes into GameStop and buys a brand new game and doesn't trade anything in, pre-order anything, or like get a game, you know, their subscription thing, that's GameStop losing money. Even though they're not actually losing money, they do, and like, they came out and claimed that they make about $2 off a new release. That's not true. They make about $12 off release. And... It's just the first in a long line of GameSpot just kind of being shitbags. GameStop. Yeah, God. The amount of things that GameSpot have been blamed for unjustly over the years. (laughs) But, um, and like, just to be clear, not talking about GameStop employees. Like, those guys have it the worst out of anyone. But wasn't it a case where this is kind of like, the suggested thing is to sell more Mm. second home product, but different employees took it on themselves because they were worried about losing their jobs, yeah. like because they're in a shit situation, they took it on themselves to kind of maybe lie to the consumer. Like if someone came in and they're like, "I want to get Mafia 3, they were like, "We've no new copies, but we have pre-owned copies." Yeah, like little lies like that, trying to push um, pre-owned consoles before they try and yeah. push the. So that was a point that was brought up in the interview, and I talked to one of our friends who's a GameSpot GameStop employee, mm-hmm. and she was saying she's never heard anyone doing that. But I think even if they are, I, you know, I don't think it's a good thing to do. But at the same time, I think it's, that is a systematic problem. Like they are being mm-hmm. like, cause these people are worried that they're going to lose their jobs. And like there were in the article, there were stuff about people who were amazing salespeople could sell left, right and center who lost their jobs because they didn't sell enough secondhand stuff. So that is a really real concern for those people. And so like, if that was me, if I had to like, you know, make sure I sold more secondhand stuff or I wasn't going to be able to eat, I would definitely be like, no, bro, we don't have Saints Row 3, the third new, but here you go. Here's a secondhand copy. I can't do that. Uh, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't. But think once you... you start doing it, then everyone has a reason to do it. Like, it's a, uh, I, there's a bigger problem here, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I like... definitely wouldn't blame the employees. I uh, No, no, completely. It makes me nervous, like, knowing we've all our Switches pre-ordered <laughs> in game stuff. Yeah. You know, and that kind of like has me I hate the idea of having to go in there and having to know that I'm going to have to sidestep all this other shit I do not want. I just want the system and the game and I want to leave. Like it is always a dance with those like with them. It's just like they always want you to buy the insurance. Yeah. And you're like, but I'm a responsible adult. I remember the first time someone offered me insurance at GameStop and I was just fucking baffled i was like what are you what do you mean i was like like if i think i think he was like if someone breaks your game and i was like what <laughs> but yeah it just seemed like the craziest thing to me and it still seems crazy it's it still seems crazy that you do it but oh it's it's a weird it's it's fucking weird it's physical media versus digital media and this is the crazy things that are resulting from the battle if digital media just came down in price by 15, 20%, there would be such a huge difference there. Because yeah. right now it's like physical media is still cheaper than going to PSN. Oh yeah. For on release day. And that kind of, I don't understand why that is. Yeah. It's like you're not manufacturing a box or a disc. Yeah. It's like you're getting all the profit. And I feel like if they did that, if they just, you know, lowered their prices by 50%, like games, GameStop would be gone mm. like in a year. 
Probably, yeah. Especially with Amazon as well. Yeah, true. Um, And so with that, we're going to forego our final form for right now because we're going to take our Resident Evil spoiler cast a little later on and we're going to move on into our emails. Okay, so the first email we got is from Tari. Uh, Terry has a bunch of questions, so I'll probably go through these quick enough. Um, hi, have you written feature-length animated animated scripts or scripts for episodes of an anima- animation? No, no, I've written stuff for animated shorts. Yeah, Brian Brian does some 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 good stuff with animated shorts. I love storytelling. Yeah, he does. I like writing dialogue as well. Um, scripts, I find scripts fascinating. Yeah, they are. Can you recommend YouTube vids or podcasts about writing script for animation? Um, that's a tough one. I'd say, like, there's very little that I think applies to regular scripts that doesn't apply to animation scripts. Like, it's all storytelling at the end of the day. Yeah, the only guy I can think of, and he's very, very controversial, he's a love him or hate him guy, is Max Landis. Uh, sometimes I hate him, sometimes I love him. He's got some videos I really, yeah. really love. His YouTube channel is called Up To My Knees. I yeah. think that's what it's called. Uh, but, like, he loves script writing. He's very passionate. Like, whatever you think about him, he's very, very passionate. Yeah. Um, he's a big fan of comics. So I guess that kind of blends in with animation uh, in that it's kind of yeah. all kinds of genres and fantasies. Uh, but he's very interesting to listen to talk about scripts. Yeah. And one thing I would say on that is, like, I do feel... There is a point where script writers get very, very bogged down with rules. And, oh, you know, you're at this point in your story. Now the hero has this choice so he can do A or B. And I do feel like it does just get to the point where the whole process becomes so constrained that it damages, it limits whatever you're working on. Like, I think above, like, rules or anything like that, you should be excited to write whatever you are writing. Mm -hmm. That's my rule when I write. Like, just make sure that you're happy to work on it. I think if you wanted to get into live action versus animation, depending on the size of your team or who you think will be working on this, there's the sky's the limit with animation. You can like draw what you assume the inside of a mind is like, you know, Mm -hmm. when you want to do that in live action, you're talking about like miniatures, you're talking about CG, you're talking about way more expensive ways of doing this. Yeah. Animation, it can be done like you can like the late night work club team have done really trippy animation, animated stories, high concept stuff, all animated by very small teams of people. And that's kind of, that's that's the nice thing about animation is really your imagination is the limit. Yeah, totally. And that kind of feeds into the next question. What would you say are the core differences between writing for live action and for animation? It's definitely the editing. Um, when you're writing or doing the pre-production of live action, you are going to do as much coverage as possible. Whereas with animation, you want that tightened as much as possible because animation is so expensive to produce that there's no point filming something if it's not going to be in the final film. Yeah, you can storyboard all day on live action stuff and talk about what to keep or not. But on the high end of animation, stuff is so expensive that you can't afford to cut anything. It's why you see so few like deleted scenes from animated films. Yeah, You shouldn't have stuff on the edit editing room floor usually with animation there's a great quote from uh pete doctor from pixar he's done up and he did inside out and the way he's the way he described writing for animation is you write a joke and four years later people laugh at it 
Like, yeah. Um, there's a great YouTube channel. I didn't have a loot drop, but now I do. They're called the Royal Ocean Film Society. And they have a video called, How Do You Edit an Animated Film? So I'm going to loot drop that. That answers a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, just to say, if, like, Terry, if you're, like, new to this kind of stuff, I wouldn't worry particularly about, like, the difference between animation and live action, just as, like, what is it that makes a good story? Like, what makes characters feel good and stuff like that that's the kind of stuff i'd uh i'd concentrate on and you can definitely learn a lot from even just cinematography channels like i think me of you talked about what folding ideas folding ideas yeah. that's a good channel um every frame of painting isn't necessarily about writing but i think you can learn a lot from storytelling from that about storytelling mm-hmm. from that channel and um yeah just you know a lot of people talk about this kind of media on youtube and just find people who whose methodologies or whose theories kind of click with you and follow them. I think when you're a writer as well, when you're an artist, you have your portfolio of your physical work. Mm-hmm. It's harder as a writer to have a portfolio mm-hmm. of, to get someone to re- read your feature length animated. Yeah. Or a sample sketch. scripts like that. Yeah. It's, it's daunting because it's not instantly yes or no, this is good mm-hmm. or bad. Like you really have to digest it. So if you're like working on something and you really have a pet project, I would nearly recommend trying getting a short story out of it. Yeah. Like a short 12 minute thing versus feature and getting a friend or paying, commissioning some artist to do key art for it. Yeah. Like what you think this would look like. Yeah. Um, I, I, I regularly enough get like scripts from people kind of like asking me to review this or review that and stuff like that. And like, they're not asking me to do a video on it. They just like want my opinion. And we're like, well, I, you know, I really appreciate that. And that's like a, a really, it's really humbling that they would want me to do it. It's also, it can be practically impossible to find the time to do that stuff. So I think the more accessible you can make your story, the easier it can be for someone to read. That's a huge plus because then people will actually be able to see it and give you a critique as opposed to like, you know, if, if you get a, a document that's a couple of thousand words, like I, I don't. I wouldn't have time to read it and I certainly wouldn't have time to like critique it properly. And yeah. so think, thinking in those kind of terms is, is good as well. Uh, because there is a script, but there's also a story treatment and synopsis. Mm-hmm. And that's just being able to describe your film in a sentence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're doing a synopsis, that's a paragraph yeah. of the, the, the film. Think about like when you're a writer for animation, you are one point on a long journey so think about everyone down that pipeline you know nearly think about the storyboarder and what you're giving them make it as easy as and digestible as possible for people to get into so they will want to collaborate with you yeah yeah um i'm going i'm gonna loot drop an interview later but the subject of the loot drop it's actually it's about game design and not like storytelling but i thought it was like Really incredible device or advice. So maybe check out that later. What are your favorite recent non-Japanese, non-Dizzy Pixar animated TV shows or movies? Uh, Steven Universe sleeps out. Yeah, that's yes. sure. That's fantastic. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yep. Um, I thought the 3D animated kids summer blockbusters of 2016 were exceptional. Um, I think back like 10 years ago when you just had Shrek sequels. And that Zach Braff Chicken Little movie. Oh, that's a bad movie. And they're just they're just shitty movies. I just really really think they're 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 really really going for something now. Yeah. Um, like in a lot of different aspects of budgets and animation, from very very cheap 
uh, TV shows to you know hundreds of millions of dollars. I think we're we're kind of seeing a bit of like a maybe it's kind of over now. I'm not sure, but like I think we are seeing a bit of a golden age for animation again because like even there's a lot of really high quality TV shows as well. Like um, you know you had Gravity Falls, you had Over the Garden Wall, uh, Star vs the Forces of Evil is pretty good. Like there's a lot of good non-Japanese, non-Disney Pixar stuff out there. Yeah, as well uh, at the moment, Cartoon Network are doing like a changing of the guard with a lot of their shows because Adventure Time's finishing up, so is regular show. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but they, they've been announced two years in advance, but Cartoon Network are already announcing like what's coming out in a year or two. So people are going, oh, is this replacing regular show? And it's not necessarily replacing a specific show. Um this has happened countless times already in Cartoon Network. Mm. Like, when we watched Cartoon Network, it was Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack. And it's crazy that Jack's coming back. We never actually talked about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That trailer looks fucking incredible. I really think it's cool that they're doing it as an adult swim show because that audience has grown up. Yeah, like, and I, I saw actually people being like, oh, I hope they don't try and make it too edgy like they did with Ren and Stimpy or whatever. I really, the amount of restraints that is shown in that show across all areas, I couldn't imagine that they're going to go nuts on blood and gore or anything. No. But maybe they'll just be some tough decisions Jack will have that, like, a child wouldn't be able to understand. Yeah. Um, is there a, U- UK, an EU, a UK EU animation scene for up and coming animators slash producers? Yeah. Like, I think if you want to work in the animation industry, there are jobs for you, mm-hmm. for sure, no matter what you want to do. Yeah. I think it's a very competitive in- industry and like getting getting your ideas made is it's as tough here as it is anywhere else. You know, some people can do it and there's a lot of different ways to do it. And what I'd say is like, if you want to see your ideas get made, be prepared to do them yourself or at least a part of them yourself. In the UK... Uh... Manchester is very, very popular for uh, TV animation production. London is uh, VFX and also advertisements, mm-hmm. uh, kind of very, very boutique studios doing specialized projects. Whereas up in Manchester, you know, they'd be doing two or three years of a, of a 52 episode TV show. Yeah. Uh, but then in Ireland, animation is pretty popular in Ireland because of our tax breaks. Yeah where it's very, very, very cheap to make a movie in Ireland and animation TV shows fall under that category. Do it, we still have the artists don't pay tax thing? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but that's more for poets and painters. It's fucking weird. Um, but Ireland's a weird location because we understand American humor and we speak the same language. Yeah. Uh, so we get a lot of American projects. Like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends was made in Ireland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't think it. The yeah, first show, like, I think all of us worked on was set in an American high school. Oh, yeah. Randy Cunningham. Yeah. I drew so many American-style lockers, and I was like, do they have, like, is this what it's like? Yeah. And I I still don't know what year ninth grade is. Yeah. Like, how old are you when you're in ninth grade? Cause we, so cause I we... think that's third year in our... Okay, so you're 15, 16. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we go, no, because... Mm, I think it's 14. Yeah, I think is it, it is. Because, you know, we, the way like, the way Irish schools work is you have junior infants, senior infants, first class, second class, third class, fourth class, fifth class, sixth class. It's been a while. Yeah. 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 And then you start again in secondary school. So your first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, then you're free. You're free to fuck oh, up your life. Oh, oh, oh. 
And the fifth year is optional in some schools. Yeah. No, the fourth year. Is it fourth year? Yeah, we have this year called transition year, yeah, which is basically like the the fuck up year where you can just make as many mistakes as you want. And like, I you do work experience and you, you just do nothing. I wasn't like a, a very, my teenagehood was not especially eventful, but man, did I fuck up a lot in fourth year. It was great. I skipped fourth year cause I, cause I knew what I wanted to do in college when I was 15. So I was like determined to get to college when I was like 17. I did all the really cliched, stupid things a teenager can do in fourth year. Not any year before or after, but fourth year was just layered with bad decisions and messy relationships. It was great. So yeah, uh, animation. Animation's great. good. Yeah, and enjoy. <laughs> Tari, thanks so much for the email. Um, I love these questions. Yep. So next we have Manly Slothman. Brian, why don't you take this? Yeah, this is his actual name, Manly Slothman. Uh, like christened? Oh yeah. Uh, just or real- whatever, whatever, however people get their names. I don't know. Yeah. So he, he asked just real quick, who are our favorite directors? Uh, do you have any animation or art books that we'd like to recommend? Oh, yeah. So we'll start with the director stuff. Um, he's asking, oh, I mean, I'm really bad for remembering names and stuff. I really like Hideki Anno. Hideki Anno. Yeah. Uh, he did the Evangelion series. He did the new mm-hmm. Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. He did a, a, a live action cutie honey at one point. He sure did. Um, I was thinking about this because three of my favorite films are made by a particular director called Paul Verhoeven. He directed Robocop, Showgirls, and Starship Troopers. And I love those three films so much. Certainly. I think you, you got to see all three of them for it to make any sense. Yeah, he also did Total Recall. And I love Total Recall, but it's not like in the trilogy. No, it's not part of the canon. <laughs> no. <laughs> Like, like that's not part of the cinematic universe. Like Showgirls and Starship Troopers take place in the same world. Yeah, and only and only two years apart as well. <laughs> Things went so bad. Um, yeah, like um, I like a lot of David Fincher movies. Like I like yeah. really general directors that everyone knows about. I like uh, Justin Lin. What's he done? All, all the a fast lot of the Fast and the Furious movies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty cool. But he's really good at doing um, like ensemble, ensemble casts. Mm. Manly Slotman, I'm sorry if you were expecting like some really like, like Martin, beautiful yeah. directors. Martin Scorsese. I fucking hate Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Park Chan-wook is amazing. Yeah, Park Chan-wook's fucking cool. I love Korean directors. Did he do the, the revenge stuff? Yeah, and he oh, did. Oh, he's uh, really good. And he did the new one as well. Uh, uh the Handmaiden. Handmaiden. Yeah. Keep me in to watch that. It's fucking flat. I need, I need to, because, like, Old Boy is, like, it's one of my favorite movies yeah, old boy ever. Is so good. Do you guys like um, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance? Yeah. I think I need to watch that again. I, I haven't watched it do. since it came out. Because I watched it and I was like, ah. But then I think back to it, I remember all these cool bits. Yeah. Like when she fucks up the witch in prison. I think it might be, like, <laughs> like uh, in terms of Old Boy, but in terms of other films that exist... You know, it's a high, his own bar is high. Put it like this. I didn't particularly enjoy it when I watch it, but I always think back to it and I'm like, man, nothing feels like that movie. Did you watch, uh, I, I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. No. That's, that's like a romantic comedy that he made and it's kind of quirky. It's kind of like an Amelie. Like, I don't know if you'd like it, but like, cause, cause it's got no fucked up creepy shit in it. Yeah. But it's just fucking weird. It's really, really goofy. Um, and I really, really like his cheeky bonus question, as he puts it. Do we have any animation art books that we like or would recommend? Boy, do we. I think we all collect art books. Yeah, I yeah. fucking love art books. Um, I would say my favorite art book I own 
is there's a very expensive Art of Metal Gear Solid 1 art book. And it's like, it's really big and it's got these amazing see-through pages and it has all the concept sketches and it's fucking beautiful. And I bought it because, you know, Twin Snakes for the GameCube, I beat that entire game in a day and it was midnight and I was like, I'm never going to be more into Metal Gear than I am right now. I should do something stupid. And I bought that stupid expensive book and I love it. Fuck yeah. Yep. Um... I, my most treasured art books are for the One Piece movies that I have. The One Piece Strong World art book you showed me. Yeah. Not a great art, not a great movie. Book, an amazing art book. Yeah, it's just all pencil tests from Oda of just character designs. But then I have another one that's for One Piece movie six, and it's super rare. My girlfriend got it for me. And uh, Sushio, who is the designer, a trigger. So he would have designed the characters in Kill a Kill. And... I think some I think some characters in Digimon as well. He, he did the designs for One Piece movie six. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Uh, but then, so he did this. Um, but this is a book that's like full of pencil tests. Um, and then uh, the main director from Trigger, Imaishi, he he's got like pencil tests in it. Actually, the groundwork books of Gainax shows. Are really good. So there's groundworks of Avon Gillen, groundworks of Gurn Lagan, Pantheon Stocking. They're all just pencil oh, the, tests. The, there's a really nice Pantheon Stocking art, stocking art book as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, there yeah. is. Down City Paparazzi. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's really good. Um, mm. One of my favorite ones that I always go back to is DreamWorks Kung Fu Panda one. I have that right over there. It is that one is of the such nicest a good one. art books. Yeah. Like Pixar and DreamWorks do like a whole range of art books, yeah. and they're kind of hit or miss depending on which yeah. movie yeah. it is. But um, the DreamWorks one, really high standards, love the Kung Fu Panda, love How to Train Your Pet Dragon, really nice drawings in that. I know there's people who aren't especially into Kung Fu Panda. I think that's a great movie, but that art book is like unquestionably yeah. one of the best. Amazing. Uh, the most recent one I can think of is Moana's uh, Art of book is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's, it's really, really good for uh, backgrounds and locations. Yeah. If you want animals go for Kung Fu Panda or Rio, that, the one with oh, the yeah. pirates. That's a gorgeous book. Yeah, the, like even the trailers, uh, like I'm not interested mm-hmm. in seeing it, but that's a good looking movie. Um, and then, what else? There's so many good ones. Oh, episode one, two, and three of Star Wars. The concept art books of those are amazing. Like those films, whatever you want to say about them, they are dense with design. Yeah. So there's like total, like crazy alien races that have never been in the movies that have just like full like two page spreads fleshed out like there's a lemur monkey race alien race that look amazing in the third book i think so they're really good concept work books cool. the art of halo books are always really beautiful as well i uh i also picked up the undertale art book at my fest and it's really good do you want to show it to us no pixel art book it's not pixel it has all the like awesome sketches and really beautiful concept work it's re- I'm, sh- I'm gonna show it to you and they'll be like, oh, this is actually nice. Okay. Cause that's what you sound like. I think what we're gonna do is like maybe put up one or two photos of some books that we like sure. on the Instagram. Yeah, that's as well. a good idea. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, so there's ones I can't name off the top of my head that I'm sure I have that I really like. We have to go to our bookcases and consult our yeah. previous purchases. You know what? Let's just throw up top three art books from each of us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, that was a great question. Thank you so much, Manly Slothman. <laughs> then we have, um, Eric Paladin. Yep. Dear Super Best Fight a Boss cast. I see what you did there. 
I am a newer. Is that a word? Newer? It is now. Cool. Um, American fan of the show, and I'm planning on studying abroad in Dublin. Ireland of all places. <laughs> Dublin. Ireland. <laughs> I'm doing so through a cool summer program my college is offering for third year students. It will help clear up some credits and blah, blah, blah. Man, I, I don't know how the college credit system works at all in America. We we went to our college, so we, we have no idea how real life works. Yeah, they should mm-hmm. have whatever, whatever useless person comes in, they will let you out. Yeah. Um, He's on Erasmus. That's yeah. what it sounds like. It will help them. My question is, do you three have any recommendations of things I should do to prepare for this? Are there any sorts of cool places or summer events worth checking out for America? Hope to hear back and keep up the great show, you weebs. Now, in fairness, Eric, I am the only true weeb here. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Um, Also, I'm sure you aren't familiar with every part of Dublin, but if you know anything worth traveling for the weekend or anything cool around the University and College of Dublin, that's UCD, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Eric, my advice is that if you are coming to Ireland, first of all, get those expectations super, super low. <laughs> uh, okay, look, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> well, <laughs> Eric, Eric, make sure you have a student ID and make sure it's like an Irish student ID with your face on it. Yeah. Because you, you want student discounts on your burritos, your chicken rolls. They'll give you student discounts like everywhere. Um, you usually get 10% off in a lot of uh, clothes shops or like if you're buying shoes and shoe. Yeah. Dublin's more expensive than you think it is. Yeah, like, it Dub- is an Dublin expensive is. City. Whenever, like, whenever I go anywhere that's meant to be like you know globally known as quite expensive, I'm always like, this is as expensive as Dublin. Like, it doesn't seem yeah. expensive to me. Yeah, uh, the rent is going to be really, really tough. Um, if he's going on Erasmus, they'll probably have somewhere for him. Yeah, yeah. hopefully you do have accommodation sort in advance because they do take advantage oh, of students. If if you don't. Get cracking on that now because yeah, the rent sort of situation in Dublin is a like living nightmare. Um, in terms of like cool places to go, I got a few. Um, I think so. You listen to this podcast and you have a Jotaro Josta or um, Jotaro Kujo thumbnail picture, so you're probably kind of a nerd. And so I would say there's a really really cool video game shop called The Rage that me and Brian frequent quite a lot and it sells like old retro video games and even like it's all going to be PAL so maybe it's not going to be that useful to you but even just go and look at the weird ass covers to a lot of these they're so cool and they're so of an era and they're so strange that I think that's definitely worth seeing yeah the city is going to be dug up there's been roadworks for the last three years they're building uh, a a cross city extension Mm -hmm. to our tram network that was like built 10 years ago but you can walk everywhere in dublin yeah yeah, like totally dublin is like walk that's what i think a good idea is like walk around the city it'll start becoming really small really quickly yeah you'll start recognizing everything yeah um food wise is there any good food Food places check out supermax good stuff don't oh my god don't I actually told a bunch of American artists at MAGFest about Supermax and their mind was fucking blown. There's an Irish, like, McDonald's ripoff. It's not a McDonald's ripoff. It's its own thing. Brian, open your eyes. McDonald's is... It's it's literally called Supermax. But that's because McDonald's is a popular Irish surname. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's because it's a popular fucking restaurant. Or or it could be McDonough. I don't know. It's called Supermax and it sells shitty burgers. And really, really good fried chicken. <laughs> and amazing ice cream and fudge brownies. And good sausages. Like, yeah. you, I don't think you can get those in other... No, probably not. I don't know. I don't know. 
Go, uh, yeah, like I really, Don't really go rec- to Supermax. Do uh, I recommend going to Chippers? Get fish and chips. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Fish and chips. Any good chippers around the city center? Uh, there's there's that one. Burdocks is that one? Leo, yeah. Leo Burdocks. Yeah. Um, that's famous. There's yeah, that's pretty famous. There used to be one um, near the food court, but that got shut down. Yeah. Uh, there's one in Temple Bar. Like yeah, check out Temple Bar, but like it's it's just it's just full of cobbly streets. Yeah. Um. If you're not doing anything for the rest of the day. Uh, what's the chicken place? Which one? The chicken place we went and we were like, that was delicious. We're never going there again. Crackbird? Crackbird. Crackbird. Yeah. Yeah. Crackbird is like gourmet fried chicken, but you have to cancel all your plans for the evening. Yeah, you're not going to do anything. Because your body's going to be like, we have to lie down now. (laughs) Um, If you're going to sit down at a park bench, the parks are fine. The river is fucking freezing cold. Like There are loads of benches there, but it's windy as fuck. Uh, I recommend Trinity College just because it's such a public space anyway. Yeah. But there's loads of benches there just to chill and meet meet up with friends there. Yeah. And this is kind of universal for all cities, but I guess know where you're going because there's some maybe not great spots in Dublin also. Mm. And I think Dublin's a kind of weird city because you can be on a really nice, happy street. And then if you make like one wrong turn, the can be quite an unfriendly street. Yes. Yes. There, there are streets with like needles. Yeah. Bring in like a raincoat. I mean, you will need it. Yeah, it rains all the time here. Guys, yeah. he's trying to have a good time. Why Why he's got to be such squares? <sighs> Wear a t-shirt then. I don't know. <laughs> um, Anywhere else? Oh, you know, one place that I actually really like is the liquor rooms. If, if you want a quiet place to have a drink where there's like no TV sets or anything, the liquor rooms, it's on the keys. That will make sense when you get here. Mm-hmm. And that is a really, really nice place to go. Um, unfortunately, there are no arcades in Dublin. There's Doctor Quirky's, but that's slot machines. Yeah, I think that's gambling in it. Yeah, I don't. I think there's like some racing machines there still, and that's it. Yeah. Enjoy Ireland for what it is. It's going to be quieter than you're used to. I guess I don't know where you're from. Oh, you know what? Get out to the if you if you want like a weekend visit, yeah. get out to the west of Ireland. Yeah, do. Yeah. Um, I recommend like County Kerry or County Cork. I'm from Kinsale, which is a seaside town in Cork. That's full of tourists. They love it there. So I'm sure you I, I would say it's even worth seeing just for the train journey. Like mm-hmm. the rolling hills are lovely. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Ireland's a pretty place. Let us know how you get on. Um, I'd be curious to see what you think. Yeah. Send us a mail closer to when it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Next we have from Roberto. Yes. And oh, actually I haven't looked at this yet. Neve, do you want to read this one out? Okay. Hi guys, after seeing the reveal of live action Koichi and Yukiko, this is from part four, Jojo's. Mm -hmm. The live action adaptation. And realizing how many live action adaptation of manga, anime and video games are being developed. I was wondering what are your favorite live action adaptations? Is there any manga, anime or video game you would like to see jump to live action? Thanks for the awesome show, Ra. The first one this made me think of is the Phoenix Wright movie. That's the good one. Uh, that's also directed by Takeshi Miike, who's handling um, the live action part four, which is pretty cool. Um, I thought that was 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really, really love that. Um, I think the the uh, interpretations they have of the part four characters look great. I love Josuke's design. Uh, and I like Ikako. I think her skirt could be shorter to ex- make her legs look longer because she because she's... Such a parallel anyway, to Anyway, uh, we're going to move on because Brian's, Brian's getting a bit saucy here. 
Koichi is supposed to be super small, so if they kind of like make her costume look like she's taller than him in any way, I think that worked. The actress, like, John, I think your mind's going to weird places. Uh, Sorry, Brian, I'm being an asshole. And then Koichi, uh, we we were saying before that they put the crotch in his pants down real low, so he's like stubby legs. I think they both look pretty great. I gotta say, the costuming is so good. Like yeah. this isn't like bad cosplay. This is this is this looks like people are wearing like you know this yeah. nice clothes. Yeah, I think it's gonna come out and it's going to be super low budget feeling. I bet the stands are gonna look like shit. It's, it's Japanese television. Yeah, but um. Yeah, the Phoenix Wright movie. I I still, still, still have not watched it. I know it comes up for us every couple of months. But I remember watching the first 10 minutes and being like, this is awesome. I need to put some proper time aside and watch this. And now it's six years later. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Um, in terms of live action stuff, like, I have no hopes for <laughs> any live action stuff ever. Like, my bar is so low that I just, I, I'm not upset. Like, I watched Dragon Ball Evolution and I was like... <laughs> Yeah, all right. Whatever. <laughs> I don't think there's a point in getting upset. Like, adaptation is cool because it's a different look at yeah, something that totally. exists. And you should take it for that and never for replacing I something. think the Super Mario live-action movie is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a weird fucking thing. I didn't have one that's so boring. Yeah, but it's so weird. Yeah, it is. Bowser, what the hell? <laughs> I really love the Resident Evil movies, as we've. We know. I think I gotta, I gotta look at them. It's a good time. Like seriously, if you want a really stress-free Saturday where you're just gonna laugh your ass off, watch the Resident Evil movies. Just do it. All of them. All of them. They're all, all 14 good. Fourteen hours of them. Yeah. I really, really <laughs> like um, the Jean Claude Van Damme Street Fighter. Oh my god, I love that movie. I love that movie so much. That's such a cool That's Kylie Minogue as Sonya Blade in it as well, isn't it? She Not plays Cammy. <sighs> oh, okay. Cammy. Sonya fucking Blade. I don't know. <laughs> and it's got Raul Julia, uh, who played Gomez Adams. He was M. Bison in it. Did he die after that movie? He died like, I think he died before the film came out, but he died, or, but he, but he shot all the scenes. It was, it, it, it was around the same time because it was the mid 90s. Yeah. He's fantastic in that. Yeah. Um, but back to like the live action JoJo, I'm real curious to see what they do with Okiyasu because he is because he's got the X scar across his face, like and and he's he's always kind of like ghoulish looking. Yeah, I think they'll just make him a cute boy with an X scar. With a scar. I met an amazing Okiyasu cosplayer at Magfest. Yeah, yeah. And did did he do the hands in the pockets and have awful posture? If he was, you know, really... if he was doing a photo, yeah, yeah. we hung out. It was cool. That's pretty cool. The Silent Hill movie as well. <laughs> oh my god that's pretty good I, I totally forgot about that um, I think the first, first one's yeah. fine I think the second one gets really insane yeah and in a way that I love <laughs> Pyramid Head turns into a good guy <laughs> oh wait did I ever tell the story so me and Michelle went to see Silent Hill Revelations on my birthday <laughs> and I you know, like, I, I've done a video on the Silent Hill series. The Silent Hill series really, really means a lot to me. And we were walking into the cinema and I turned around to her and I just said, look, as long as they don't make Pyramid Head a good guy, I'll be okay. And then, like, 80 minutes into that movie, I watched with tears streaming down my face as Pyramid Head defended our heroes against a monster. That makes no sense. <laughs> the monster is Carrie-Anne Moss, you know, who played Trinity. <laughs> 
Like, she, she's the bad guy in it, but like it doesn't look like her because she it looks it looks crap. Oh, I love that film though. Like it's so fucking weird. You know, the, remember the bit <laughs> the, the, the bit on the carousel at the theme park? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh no, no, I really want to tell this bit because the way it happened was it's John the next day telling me this. He's like, Brian, Brian, there's a bit where like they're on like a horse carousel and like the horses are on the poles going up and down but then the girl looks down and it's actually turned into an S&M bondage leather guy and he turns up to the girl and goes ah! <laughs> <laughs> why the fuck would that be that's not it's a really good movie it was a good birthday actually yeah, happy right? birthday happy birthday John you're a poor girlfriend oh that long suffering lovely woman and finally we have an Okay, so wait, we we we've got two quick questions. There's one more email, then there's one more tweet that we can. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, we, we just like these kind of these roll into the one. Is yeah. there anything you guys would like to see as a live action? Oh yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, I mean, Metal Gear Solid would be a hell of a thing. Yeah, I don't think it'd be good, but like, what the fuck is that gonna look like? Mm. Off the top of my head. I'd love to see what a live-action No More Heroes would look like. <gasps> well, yeah. I was going to say King of Fighters, but they actually did do that. Yeah? And you know, you know, Iori, the main King of Fighters guy with the red hair? Mm-hmm. He, they changed him into a hockey player. Sure. Hockey's cool. Just like the game. You know that I was most insulted? It was the Tekken movie, and they give um, Kazuya the little snake hair and two axes. Yes, yeah, so like upsetting. in the game. Actually, you know, the Tekken movie, like... I think I tried to watch that once. It looked like shitty cosplay. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt like that was just kind of boring. Like, mm-hmm. I wish they had gone zanier with it. There's a Japanese kind of Tekken movie. I think it's like Fist of Vengeance or something, where they originally had the rights to do a Tekken movie. They were taken away, but they didn't change any of the costumes. So it's just Horong and, like, really? Jin just in the movie. <laughs> The live-action Tekken movie had a pretty okay Brian Fury look yeah. like. Good. I remember messaging one of my friends and being like, I'm watching the Tekken movie and I'm watching Jin Kazama and Christian Tierro grind on the dance floor. This is everything. <laughs> this is everything I dreamed. <laughs> I'd really like to see, um, I'm looking forward to the new Tomb Raider movie. That's, oh yeah. That's my biggest. It's got, uh, see where that goes. Alicia Vikander. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was great. Uh, she's currently dating Michael Fassbender. Oof. And he, he just, he just, he was, <laughs> and he was Wait, in no, hang the. On, hang on, Neve, do you want to elaborate on that? I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> Magneto. But also he was I in Assassin's though. Creed. So technically Lara Croft is dating Ezio or whatever. Oh, the, no. I hate that. That <laughs> makes me yeah. Isn't that stupid? Isn't, because somewhere someone has drawn them in their costumes doing that. Yep. All I can think of now is No More Heroes movie. Wouldn't that be great? That would be incredible. The dream isn't dead. No More Heroes 3 is happening. Yeah. So who knows? Okay. Um, which Dra- of these questions will we take next? Um, just about the older podcast cool. episodes. Okay. okay. So. This is from Marco. As you may have noticed, our most recent episode is episode 31. And we got an email from Marco asking, where can you get the older podcasts? I only see up to 31. This Is this some type of inside joke yes. you started from 31? Yes, absolutely. There's no podcasts that exist before 31. We were just like, lads, you know, it'd be fucking gas if instead of one, we started at 31. And it has been really funny. Yeah. 
The reason why they're not there is okay. They okay, so they do actually exist. I, I was being being facetious, and um, we actually give this uh, this question a full answer. I think at the end of episode thirty eight, the Blast of Us, mm-hmm. that episode's called. And essentially, what it was was like when we started this podcast. We started this podcast before I had a YouTube channel, and so we now have like a lot more listeners than we ever thought we would, and we really appreciate that a lot. But there was also stuff in the earlier podcast when we were just making the podcast for like our immediate group of friends. And so like there's a lot of people's second names and personal information and just information about us and our girlfriends that we thought maybe it wasn't the absolute best to have out there. There were also quality control issues as well. Like the mic wasn't great and yeah. It was, it, it sounded like shit. Yeah. You're, you're, trust me, you're not missing that much with it. Um, start from episode 31. We promise we won't reference any lore before that. But um, if you want a full if you want a full explanation, just listen to episode thirty eight, the email section. Okay, and then because this is the most fucking controversial thing ever. Well, you see, we went to the biggest explanation of this in an older episode that now doesn't exist. Yeah, oh, in yeah. fairness, we do owe this yeah. to him because this okay. is lost lore. Okay, so Zachary asked, could we elaborate on why we don't like uh, Firewatch? Because we all don't like Firewatch. Yeah, this was so. The so, first one who played it was Brian. I yeah. Think. And it, it came out exactly a year ago. Yeah. So to celebrate the one year anniversary of Firewatch, here's why we don't like Firewatch. So I think Firewatch is a beautiful game to look at, but that was one of those games where I just felt like, man, I don't even know how to put it. One of you guys go first. I need to think this over. Okay. When I started that game, I was really excited. I really liked the opening bit where it kind of gives you questions and answers and develops the past relationship between Henry and his ex- his wife. That bit was awesome. That yeah. was really good. It opens up. It's beautiful looking. It's the art direction by Ollie Moss rendered in real time. And it just starts going downhill very quickly, narratively. And this game is a narrative game. That's a story-driven game. Yeah, absolutely. The story was awful, like really bad. And I felt they cut corners in parts of the gameplay stuff to justify bad story, red herrings and kind of, it it never grabbed me. I was really annoyed by the no Delilah reveal at the end. And I honestly think the reason they didn't do a Delilah reveal was because they didn't want to make a model for her. For sure. (laughs) Like that's it. Um, I really, really liked the middle of that game. I thought like, for me, I had all these ideas of like, how about if it's th- this is what's going on? Maybe this is happening. And you get hit over the hedge and you get knocked out for a few hours. Best bit of the game. Yeah, that bit was fantastic. That bit, But then later on, the logic of why that happened is fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. I really, really feel like that film dropped an IQ of about 50 at the end. Or that game. It, like, yeah. it, it just it just stopped. It, it just it fell apart narratively. So I think, like... I have a really terrible sense of direction. I have really, I have real trouble orientating myself in 3D spaces. And so that game was not an enjoyable experience for me, mainly because of that. But I would have gladly gritted my teeth and gone through that if I felt like the narrative or story was worth it or if it spoke to me in any way. And I just feel like it didn't. And like, we have gotten emails in the past kind of explaining how, you know, the whole point of it is that Henry's trying to escape this thing from his past and Delilah's also trying to escape. So maybe they make a bigger deal out of this whole thing than they should. And I think that's interesting, but it just, it did not hit me like that when I was playing it. It just felt like a small studio who had maybe rewrote their game a bunch of times and needed to rewrite it a bunch of times more before that story started working. And it just didn't click. 
I had a lot of glitches as well. Yeah. Like it was, it was kind of broken when it first came out. The mm-hmm. frame rate was stuttery and garbage. Your compass turned into a rock. Yeah, for half the game, my hand was merged with a rock, so I couldn't use my compass or pick things up, and it was just, it killed the immersion. I must say. But there was loads of other little things that killed immersion. I mentioned it last time. The ability to pick up and look at objects and how there's no way to put them down. So you're into just fucking your wedding band across the table or a photo of you together, like on the floor, because they haven't thought about, oh, you've picked it up, you've examined it, now you want to put it down. They just didn't, why? That part wasn't there. Yeah. It was a step missed. And like, it's an unusual one because I'm aware... Like, our take, our the three of us individual take on Firewatch is the most negative I've ever heard any group of people talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally accept that, that that get people really like that game. It was a lot of Game of the Year lists. And it is so rare that, in, that like, the th- like, the three of us all agree on anything. But just one of the things we happen to, like, agree on is that we just don't like Firewatch. Yep. So, yeah, there it is. Sorry. Don't apologize. Yeah, not Wait sorry. Wait for them to apologize. Not sorry. I'm, but I'm looking forward to what they make next. Yeah. yeah, I think they're an interesting studio. I mean, I'll give them another shot, especially if whatever they make looks interesting. It's their first game, so... Yeah. yeah. Guys, if you want to email us, you can email us at askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. What's that, Brian? Askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. And you can also reach us on Twitter at letsfightaboss. And send us any old junk. We'll answer your questions about video games, staying in Dublin, life advice. We are also a life advice podcast, but we've never got to stretch those muscles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure we could. We're all very clever. <laughs> your spooky stories. Oh, sure. Man, I really, I was really liking when we, when we kind of turned into the Let's Fight a Ghost cast there for a while. That was fun. Well, you know, maybe, maybe there'll be some springtime ghosts happening. Yeah. If, 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 if you know anything about ghosts, you can tell us about the ghosts. Do you ever think of stories and you're like, man, I'd love to tell that on the Bosscast, but there's, I don't know how to fit it in. There's no way to, yeah. You know, you know, the, my MAGFest before last story. <laughs> Another day. I think you have to tell that story. Someday, someday. Like the whole thing. Yeah. No, but you know how it's got a prologue as well from a different country. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we might do episodes. Yeah. Joho's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> Jeez. The whole saga. Fuck that. Anyway, so yeah, look, email us, ask us, find a boss at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at let's find a boss. We're happy to get any questions you want to send. Um, and so I guess we're going to do our loot drop now. Yep. And then do a Resident Evil, a quick Resident Evil spoiler cast. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. John, you actually have one written down. Here. Yes, I do. So this was a interview that was recently uploaded, not to the main Giant Bomb podcast channel, but to the Giant Bomb Presents panel or channel. And it's Jeff Gersman talking to an old friend of his who is an old game developer who now works on the game World of Tanks. But he had this kind of like mythical-ish story about the development of Star Fox and how I think it was either a UK or American studio who had developed this 3D chip for the Super Nintendo. And they were so pumped about this and they wanted to make this massive space exploration game. They wanted to make like, you know, the No Man's Sky of their time. That's what they wanted to make. Wow. 
And so they sent off a demo to Miyamoto and they like said they were all like gathered around the fax machine waiting for his response because they were thought he's going to be fucking mind blown. Like this is going to, this is going to change everything. Every Super Nintendo game after this is going to be this. And they're, so they're all waiting for his response and they're there just waiting because this is a massive deal to them. Miyamoto's like a legend. The next thing a fax start come, starts coming through. And keep in mind, all, all it was at this point was a space exploration game, nothing else. And the fax comes through, and then all it is, is a tiny, shitty little drawing of a frog. <laughs> and they're all like, what the fuck is this? Slippy. Then, they wait an hour, they don't know what to make of it, they send them a fax being like, did you like it? Hour goes by, another one arrives... This time it's a rabbit. <laughs> Happy. And then the final message they get, at least for the part of the story I'm going to tell, is they get one last message and it just says, I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's not the end of the story. <laughs> the rest of it is equally amazing and it aims, it, it ends with actually one of the most like poignant and best lessons I think any creative person should hear. It's really, really good. So I'm going to link the podcast. The podcast, I'll, I'll timestamp for when it starts because it's quite a long interview. It is good, but if people just want to listen to this story, it's fantastic. So that is my loot drop for the week. Sweet. Um, I already mentioned it. The, the Royal Ocean Film Society, their video on editing and animation. I'm going to loot drop that. I think everyone should give this a watch. So I really like K-pop. Guys, it's been fantastic talking to you all. We're going to be back next two weeks with another episode. No, K-pop's the best. So, Vin Diesel's new film. (laughs) Guys, we've... (laughs) Triple X. He has... I can't believe he's back as Triple X. Yeah, Xander... Is Xander Cage his name? Yeah. Pretty sure. Anyway, Xander's back and he has a new little DJ friend, which is a guy called Chris, who was in the K-pop group EXO, and he now has a song since he's left the K-pop group that features Vin Diesel in the video, and it's in the movie, and he is also in the movie. I'm linking you that music video. It's called Juice. It's really good. Neve, that sounds just <laughs> terrific, Brian. We can edit that out, right? <laughs> no. Maybe I'll just play it at the end of this podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> she could do whatever she wants. Yeah, yeah she can. This, can't this, this is the official K-pop podcast of uh, of Ireland now. Yeah, I bet there is a K-pop podcast of Ireland. There's I a bet K-pop meetup in Ireland. I know. Yeah. 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 <sighs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And um, we are going to be doing our Resident Evil spoiler cast. In T minus 20 seconds. But if you don't want to hear that, if you don't want to hang around, thanks so much for joining us, guys, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everyone who's leaving now. So, to talk about the greatest video game ever made. (laughs) Okay, so we're about to get real. About Resident Evil 7. We're going to spoil the shit out of this. Spoil the fucking... All the revelations. All the dark secrets. Motherfucker, you better get ready because they're all coming up right now. I don't know if there's anything in this game to spoil. There is loads to spoil. The old lady in the wheelchair was... No, that's like the last thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a spoiler right there. Yeah, I know, but that's like... Like, build up. (laughs) 
No, let's just fucking drop it right now. Oh my god. I'm shocked. Okay, so that game makes you think it's about hillbillies in a, in a house. Yes. And, and it Fuck. is. And it is. My spooky hillbilly wrestler won the title. Oh. Yeah. I'm so happy Bray Wyatt's doing it. Uh, who's ever editing that podcast, just um, edit it back into... I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. I'll make it super easy for you. Just edit it back into earlier on in the podcast, okay? I'll give you some sound bites. You know, Neve, now that you say that, it makes me think of wrestling. In fact, Bray Wyatt won the title in WWE recently. That's fascinating. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. So there you go. There's a clean sound bite. You can okay, edit okay, that cool. back in. Perfect. Yeah, this is how we do the podcast, everyone. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. <laughs> oh, um, so, okay, like, so I feel like you're the most positive on Resident Evil 7. I'm pretty it's, positive about that. It's weird because I am and I'm, I'm not. Okay, I think you can break this game into parts, and I think that's how we should talk about it. Yeah. So first part is the house with Jack. Yeah. Second part, house Marguerite. Yeah. Third part, Lucas and his fun home. Yeah. Fourth part, ship. Yeah, the tanker. Of Future the past tanker. And then last part is mine. Yeah. I think two of those zones are good. Only two. I think the... Obviously the first part, fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Then the third part with the brother and his games, quite a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought that was really good and how they kind of hint at it in advance with the VHS tape. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. Um... I guess we should open up with what the narrative is. So you start the game and you get an emailed video clip from your girlfriend, Mia, who's been missing for three years. Mm-hmm. And in the video clip, she's like, oh, I can't wait to see you, baby. I'm had like, I love you. It's goddamn it's amazing facial animation yeah. in that video. Yeah. It's, but she's doing this babysitting job. She's yeah. like, I fucking hate this babysitting job. I uh, can't wait to see you. And then seemingly after that, she goes missing for three years. Another email comes in. And this is where I'm a bit confused because he says in the email that she says, come get him, get her on the phone call to her friend. He's in the car afterwards. And he was just like, oh, she said to come get me. I don't know if he was just lying to a friend because in the, in the actual video, she's like, stay away. Stay away, Ethan. Yeah. Don't, I'm sorry, stay away. So you're playing as Ethan and you're in first person. I think you get to see his face once. He's just blonde man. Do you? When do you get to see his face? I never got that. Or at least I didn't notice. Um, I, I don't think you do. I think you might have. Okay, I think I saw his face on the wiki. Oh, Because okay. there's some yeah, shitty yeah. render of his face. That's interesting, because I was wondering about that. So you arrive um, as Ethan to this the outbacks of Louisiana. And there's a hillbilly house. Yeah, but it's like a big plantation house. Yeah. Like, it was, it was obviously, like, a very regar- regarded family at one point mm-hmm. that are now just simple folks yeah and they throw you some red herring straight away like in that house there's kids room and there's an old photograph of a mother and a father and two children so you're kind of assuming that this little girl that you hear mentioned is a child of the baker family. yeah they keep mentioning like stay away from her or she's upstairs stuff mm-hmm. like that you find a little girl's shoe you find like just there's dolls, evidence, yeah. dolls yeah. around you find evidence of a little girl so like the first part, you're in that man in that house, and that's when Jack is chasing you. Yeah, and that's me. Best part of the game, I loved it, and I loved the scare of Jack coming through the wall, 
because I felt like it just like it was, you know, it was a good jump scare and all that, like it was well set up. But it also kind of creates this moment where it's like he knows this house better than you because he lives here. You're on his turf. These are his terms. And I thought that was really frightening. Did you let that bit play out and he catches you and he chops off your leg with the shovel? No. Okay, so this is so fucked up. This happened to me. And uh, so he smashes through the wall and I was trying to get to the padlock uh cellar door that you're supposed to crawl through yeah mm-hmm. uh, but he grabbed me and it plays out a cutscene where he throws you on the ground and he chops off one of your legs with the shovel and then he goes want to see something cool boy and he throws you a healing potion and he pours it on your leg and your leg just seals back together oh my and god I didn't see that. I didn't and, get that at all. and Ethan's like what the fuck but that's why the healing potions make all your wounds disappear. It's yeah. just, it's magic. It's it's like this weird virus because potion. In like, like when you're in the tankard, you read about the, the virus and the first sign of you having the virus is your limbs starting to regenerate. So when you first meet Mia, she freaks out and she goes evil Mia and she uses a chainsaw to cut off your hand. Yeah. Then later it's stapled to your like wrist and you're like, how has he movement in that? And it's like... My like the obvious guess is that Ethan is infected, like everyone else is, yeah. with the mold virus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what is connecting them. And like, I guess the healing stuff is just the healing thing is using cells from that yeah. because because you see a lot of lab stuff later on and like way later in the game that I guess explains it that they're just extracting the good parts. Mm. Uh, so it's just a simple magic healing potion, but that's what uh, Ethan's using to recover health wise. That, that, that's cool. I wish I saw that, to be honest. It was really fucking yeah, I'm, weird. I'm kind of amazed that, like, one out of three of us saw it. Because I remember there was another bit, and it was with one of the molded, and the molded cut off my leg. Yeah. And I picked back up my leg as an item what? in my inventory. Yep. What? That, that also happened to me. But then I died straight away. Yeah. Oh my god, no. This Like, I've never had my leg amputated in the entire thing. I feel cheated. <laughs> but it's like a weird mechanic yeah. that's not in there. Um, so the fight you get... So the first fight you get with Jack is in the garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, the boss, yeah. That that fight is fucking... So I loved amazing. that because it felt like a backyard wrestling match. Just this tight... Oh, oh, oh but before that, when, when you meet the cop and he won't give you the gun, and he's like, just give me the fucking gun, and he's like, I'll give you a knife, and he gives you the knife, and that's your first weapon in the game. And then you meet him around the corner by the garage... And he's talking to you, and then all of a sudden his head just slices. And Jack turns around and goes, you're next, boy. Jack was so scary, because all he was was just angry dad. <laughs> he's the angriest dad. You know, like, he's just topless or, like, in a tank top, and yeah. there's just something so oh, visceral about him, like, marching after you. Yeah. I was really terrified when he was chasing he me. He was really like, scary. He, he was, was really a great tense. villain, yeah. you know? Um... In a way, like, I feel that a lot of the sci-fi, more kind of sci-fi stuff pulled away. Like, I would have been fine with leaving him ambiguous. I would have been fine with actually leaving them all ambiguous because I just feel like the idea that you're trapped somewhere like that with just these this group of people who are all really bad. Have you read Preacher? No. You know, in there's like, in the second volume of Preacher, like, I think it's like, seven or eight issues in. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, Custer's grandma. Yeah. uh, The main character's, like, grandma comes back into it, and she kind of has these hillbillies that do her bidding, 
And the way they kind of capture the main character and his girlfriend is, like, really just, like, realistic and kind of frightening. And the way they keep them on the farm is really believable as well. Mm. And it's it's really horrifying because you're like, someone could, could do this. Like, someone could capture me this way. And I felt like that's what it was at the start. And it really, it really got to me. I was like, this is really disturbing. But then it was like, no, we're all, we're all this fucking slug girl. It was just like, oh, okay. We're all a hive mind. Yeah. See, I'm into that because of the lore of Resident Evil. It, it, it definitely fits in with the virus stuff, for sure. Oh, it's not out of tone with Resident mm-hmm. Evil at all. Like, it, not one bit. See? But I think it's... I don't think those are the strongest parts. Of no, I think it, I think you were right. Because when you first go down to the basement, there's there's incinerated bodies, there's cells. And you're like, what are these people doing? Yeah. There's like these weird blobs of flesh on operating tables. Mm. And like the mystery is just like open. And then later on, the mystery does boil down to there was a girl, she was infected with the virus and she took over this family. Yeah. And her goal was to make her own family. Yeah. And kind of just have people around her. And that's why they were kidnapping people. And the mystery, like, all the horror, all the kind of really true scariness of that kind of goes out the window then with that. Yeah. And I felt like a lot of the just design went out of it. Like, at that point, I just feel like the connection between environment and enemy just became nothing. You, you stop seeing new characters yeah. until the very end of the game. But Torres, you stop seeing new characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was really disappointed. And I especially felt like... There's a part in the game when you're on a ship and you're being haunted by a scary girl, little girl with black hair. And I was like, is this like 2003? John, you need to watch the films. It's the Red Queen. Okay, Neve. <laughs> it listen, is, yeah. Yeah, I've, it all called back no, to No, I've put up with a lot of your shit this evening. And that is not fucking Resident Evil. All throughout all the films, there's a little girl called the Red Queen. Oh my God. Who's... <laughs> Who was digitally put into the hive, Umbrella's hive. Yep. And she goes rogue. So like you learn, and I think I think it's the second one or the extension extinction, maybe, or maybe it's the first one. It's that, uh, like, the daughter of one of the yeah, technicians. It's the, it's the daughter of Dr. Isaacs. She's dying from a wasting disease. And he starts injecting her with the virus. That's how the first film is a prequel to all the Resident It's Evil. the fucking girl from the ring! No, it's the Red Queen, John. No, it's, <laughs> it's a scary girl with black hair, and it's like, oh wow, the millionth one of these. It's a pretty popular cliche. Yeah, at this it's point. A super popular. And like, look, if you want to say, look, if you want to say that it ties into the movies, then that makes the movies better, not the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, to you know what I mean. Like the movies, the game will pull the movies up. The movies do not pull the game up because that's not how physics work. <laughs> I agree with that, but I never had any issue with the girl because, like, when I saw Evelyn, I was like, oh, she's, like, the girl from movies. But, like, okay, the fear you felt when Jack was chasing you through the house, Mm -hmm. do you really equate that emotion with being like, oh, a cool movie reference? No, I don't. And that's, like, I do, I think you're completely right. The strongest part of the game is the first part with Jack because that felt new and tense and scary. Mm -hmm. Like... When that boss fight, what you have to do is get in the car and run him over in a very small space while there's fire. He was fucking beautiful. Okay, that that can actually play out two ways. Because what he can do as well is he can take the keys off and he goes, I'm driving, boy. And he gets in the car and he chases you around the garage. Yeah, that happened to me. 
it, it plays out two different ways. But what happens is if you're driving is you'll run him down a bunch of times and then you can't find him anywhere. And then all of a sudden he peels off yeah, the roof of the, the car. I think all these things happen to me in the one fight. Yeah, it's fucking, it's so good how it's, it's all, it, like it all kind of Super ends. Tense. And the way he drives you into the beam that's like falling down. See, maybe this is unreasonable, but I wanted a game of that. But then, but then you fight him again where, where he's got the double chainsaw, chainsaw scissors. Yeah. And that fight isn't as good. It's not. It's still. It's still fine. Yeah, but it's much more typical. Do you, you think it, it was all just going to play out that way anyway? Like, even if they continued down that route, like, was it ever going to be as good as the first few moments with Jack? I felt like the thing, all the encounters with Jack, they all play off this thing where it's like you, him, and the environments, mm-hmm. and that was what made them great. That that like triangle of aspects. And I felt like they didn't do it anymore. And I'm sure they could have done more stuff like that, you know? And, like, could they have gotten an entire game out of you and Jack? Probably not. Does that mean they had to phone it in the way they did? I really don't think so. Yeah, because then you get to the second you house. Don't think they did? I think they did, but I don't think in any way we're not used to. Yeah. Cause you- but is that not the most depressing thought in the world? I love Resident Evil. <laughs> but like, like yeah, it's, it's just Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, I know. But like, I'm like, maybe I'm expecting too much of this. But also, I bought this game brand new, and it cost me the better part of a hundred euro. <laughs> they should have their fucking shit together, you know. Like, I, yeah. I feel like more and more often lately, not like not us three, but everyone is willing to be like, ah, look, you know, I mean, it's pretty, it's still pretty good. Like, you know, the, the bit in the caves is still pretty good. Final Fantasy fifteen. Well, I like driving around with my buddies. And let's not get into it. But, you know, like... That game's not worth the like, money, for sure. Yeah, I don't think Resident Evil 7 is worth $70, 70 euro. And I, I got right. it on a years, which, 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 which was yeah. cool. Like, I didn't have to pay for it, but I, I, I do have to return to ASAP. Yeah, it's like, it is a high buy-in for it. I think with that game, you're just meant to buy it, buy it, play it, and trade it in as fast as you can. Yeah. Because what? Because uh, it's not going to be worth anything soon. Like get, get rid of that shit. But there's moments in that that I think will be in our E3 conversations. Like okay, the Jack boss fight, one of the best. Oh, they did the game of the year, so yeah. Um, unquestionably, like the that that will and like that is great. But fucking seventy quid, dude! Like a brand new game. All right? Can we, can we talk about the second house with 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 mom and her yeah. bugs? This is. That's, yeah, Margaret. Yeah, because that's kind of just the same, but just with bugs, isn't it? Yeah, that's it is Jack's level again, and that's where some of the game mechanics started to come apart for me a little bit. Because for me, Margaret was not doing so good. She was getting stuck on scenery and standing still, and oh, okay. yeah, um, yeah, and like she has like a more traditional boss fight, and that you're just in the greenhouse shooting at her, and you just have to like waste your ammo into her. Oh, and when she's the giant spider, yeah. Now I actually really liked that bit. Yeah, I thought because there was a bit where I didn't know where she was and I couldn't find her, and I didn't know that she could like crawl up the walls, and I just turned the torch, and there she was, like crunched up in a corner, like an actual spider, and she looked so horrifying, and that was a really good bit. Before that fight, you get the crow key. So I went back into the house and I got the rocket launcher with a grenade launcher for oh, that yeah, battle. Yeah. Oh, me too, yeah. And it, like, it decimated her, like, though. Two shots. And I was like, okay, battle over. Like, really? Yeah, my Man. my fight with her was pretty short. I, like, mine I, was really, really long. I unloaded, like, okay. I unloaded all the grenade launcher rounds, all my shotgun, all my pistol, everything. And like I was like you, Brian, I was nearly done when I was nearly at ammo. Yeah, right? I think I think I used my last shotgun shell in there. 
Um, then you got Lucas the son, who before you get to him, you learn that he has a degree in robotics. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, and that's why there's all these. That's machines. why it's a grenade launcher, and that's why there's all these weird like conveyor belts of machinery um, and shit. So I thought Lucas was great. I thought he was a really good character. I was so disappointed you don't get to fight him. And yeah. he, he stops being in the game. Because like, Immortal Joe comes back. Is that what his name is? It's Jack. Immortal Jack? Yeah. Is it Immortal? I don't think he's Immortal. Like um, I thought I saw say, a loading screen. Yeah, in the loading screen it says Jack is Immortal. Oh, I think I just called him Immortal Joe. Is there a wire character called like Immortal Im- Joe? Immortal Joe is the character for Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, he's, uh, he's the bad guy. Yeah, the main, you, see how I, you see how you're confused mm. there. Sure. <laughs> I'm a simple man, right? Yeah. So like Lucas is, and you go into his childhood bedroom and there's a, like a whole pile of awards for winning robotics stuff as well. Yeah. That's um, a nice touch. Yeah, it was like, there, there was really good set dressing. Like Jack's like, like re- man cave with his like baseball helmets and it's just like, guess he collects like these things. And you first see a photograph of Lucas and you turn it over and you're just like, this guy looks like an asshole. Like, I loved all the flavor dialogue yeah. stuff. I really, really, good. really like the family dinner and Lucas is throwing all the food at you. And then he throws a whole plate of food at you. Yeah. I, I, I just wish you got to have a confrontation with him because all that happens is you get to him and it's just a spinning chair and you never see him again. Yeah, he runs away into the night. Or I, I think he leaves a message going like, this ain't the last you see of me. I got plenty I think, more tricks. I and there's nothing. There's, there is a point where he's like, if you want to get out of here, you got to go through me. And I was like, let's fucking go. And he's gone forever. Yeah, well, he's probably going to be in paid DLC, which is... I, I would have liked maybe a little more of the mom yeah. as well. I think they could have done something really fun. Although, did you hear about the DLC with the mom? The, the first band footage volume one. Where you're tied to the bed? No. So this sounds really fun, and I kind of wish it was in the main game. Yeah, it costs a tenner to buy. This would have made a great seg- yeah. sequence. You are tied down to a bed, and it's like a puzzle, like how to get out of the bed. But she is patrolling the house, and every now and then she stops by the bedroom, and she'll check that everything's like as it was. But to get out of the bedroom, you have to solve all these different puzzles around the bedroom. But the trick is, when she comes back, if you're out of your bed, you have to put everything back the way it was and climb back into bed. Oh, that's cool. It's kind of like misery. Yeah. And yeah. I think they, I would like a sequence like that within the game yeah. would have done so much for her character. Like imagine just a fucking angry mom screaming at you. <laughs> it's kind of disappointing because it is, as you said, 70 euro for 11 hour game max. And then DLC comes out a week after it's released. Yeah. You know. And you know, like, it's not even the length of the game that bothers mm. me. If I'd played full price for Azura's Wrath, I would have been like, yep, totally fine, because there is enough mental shit in that game that I'm happy with that. Yeah, this is not enough variety in content. Yeah, really I think there's just so. stuff I haven't, like, the happy birthday tape. So Lucas has a videotape where you can, you play the tapes through the game, and one of them is the happy birthday one where you play um, Clancy, yeah. who's the videographer. For the uh, for the Haunted House documentary yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was earlier that year. So he gets put in a kind of Saw-style puzzle room where he has to figure out how to get a candle on a cake and when he walks through the door, a sprinkler system goes on. Yeah. And the entire puzzle ends with him setting himself on fire in a trapped room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was pretty dark. But because you go through the Happy Birthday tape through the VHS, when Ethan, the main character, goes in it, you have to. You you have the answer to the puzzle, and you can figure it out. You, I thought yeah, that was you, uh, really clever. Just shortcut that right was to great. it. Yeah, that and then, whole sequence. And then Lucas is like, "You you did it wrong. You're meant to die during this part." And he drops a bomb down. 
<laughs> Which you have to immediately... That, you know, that character is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I really, really like his voice. I just... I, I, I miss him. Yeah. Because they didn't, they didn't finish... They didn't, they didn't follow through with him. Then after that section, there is a big boss fight with Jack again. Yeah, and here's the point where I started being like, wait, where did where did Lucas go? Yeah, because that should have been... Yeah. Uh, and the boss fight was flying like it was Resident Evil boss fight for a person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it was. Yeah. He's a big thing with loads of eyes and you just have to shoot out all Glowing the Glowing orange weak points. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very familiar... I have mutated into my perfect form. And then you come to, like... And I really want to know what you guys think about this part. Oh, the choice. The choice. Okay, so also this is the first time you see... Um, so there's Mia um, mm-hmm. and Zoe. Yeah, Zoe all this time has been on the phone to you. And she's been guiding you and she's like, let's meet in the trailer. Uh, I'm not like my family. And this is the first time you see this character. And actually, so this is a new 3D model that you actually yeah. get to see in the game. Mm-hmm. Up until the final bit, Yes. And she's just chained up to a radiator beside Mia and you untie both of them and you make a serum from a baby head. And a baby arm. Where'd the babies come from? I think they're like, like, I kind of saw it as an Evangelion thing where they were the original hosts of the T-virus or something that was being sure held in these boxes. Yeah, these like top secret. Mm-hmm. The first time you're in Marguerite's house and you open the box and there's one of them there, it's just like, oh, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah. And you make two serums and right away you're getting on the boat and there's three of you and you have to make a choice. Well, how do you get rid of like, you could have used the two serums for the two girls, but during the Jack fight, the final one, there's a piece of the ba- battle that has to play out and one of them shouts, Use the serum. So you know, and there's nothing else you can do. You can't shoot them. You have to press X and use the serum. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, what do you mean you only have one now? Yeah, that was so it's fucking stupid. Like, yeah. I, I had no other option. I'm pretty sure it was Zoe telling me to use the serum. And then right away, Zoe's like, how come you only have one of them? And it's like, but <laughs> stupid game. Do you mm-hmm. know the crazy part? If they had just made Mia the default and you use it on her, Zoe would be this character who's got fucking beef with you. And yeah. they could just leave it and bring her back in another game. That would be interesting. Why didn't they? So, Why was it a choice? It, yeah, it doesn't make a difference. Because to me, it was just like, hey, buddy, do you like short hair or blonde hair or long hair? Yeah. So so for me, I, I I know narratively you're meant to pick Mia because you're finally reunited with her and you're safe together. But I was like, what what happens if you pick Zoe, the girl you don't know anything about? Did you pick Zoe? Yeah, I knew it. You're I so knew weird. You would. Why yeah. would you do, That's do such that to a your weird own thing narrative? To do, Brian. Be- I this, wanted to this see. This is why I don't trust you. Like, I wanted to 100%. see what would happen because I because I know everyone picks the the your girlfriend wife. What happens, Brian? Nothing. So, um, <laughs> cool. Mia goes. I can't believe he didn't pick me. And yeah. Ethan's reasoning is, Zoe is smart, and if they work together, they can. Uh, rescue Mia better <laughs> and then right away you I'd pull, be so pissed and then you pull up to the tanker and Zoe dies right away what happens her? she gets uh, molded and crumbles apart that is so annoying and then you play as Ethan in the tanker and you get attacked and then you play or sorry and, and, and then you get attacked right away and then you play as Mia and at this point Mia should hate Ethan yeah and narrative this makes no sense, but Ethan, but Mia's like, I have to save Ethan, even though he just fucked me over. Why put that choice in there if it narratively doesn't change anything, doesn't make sense, makes the story worse? 
Like, why? Is it just to have a decision? I don't yeah. know. Like, if I was... My guess is that they made the assets and then something got taken out, but they didn't want to remove the, like, animations they'd done mm. or something. I, I didn't mind not curing Mia because of what you have to do with her later anyway. But that boss battle doesn't happen. If you pick Zoe, you have a boss battle with Mia where you club her over the head with a... I still have to do that. With like, you just yeah. have to do that? Yeah. No, that- you had to do it. We didn't have to do that. Yeah. Wait, I, I, yeah, did, I didn't see that. We don't have that boss battle. Oh, yeah. I, I uh, So, skip towards the end of the tanker. I had to fight Mia with a crowbar and I had to kill her with a crowbar. And she's like, do it. Kill me. Oh. For the end with us, it's like where the little girl is there and you get eaten out of the mold. And then Mia starts to change into the molded. Like it starts to take over her. Kind yeah. of, you know, the way she was lapsing in and out of it when she cut off your hand. And she pushes you out the door and she's like, run, like, you know, you save yourself. Yeah. And then at the very last shot, when you're in the helicopter, Mia's with you in the helicopter and both of you are saved. Okay. I didn't get that at all. Is the boss fight with Mia good? You just hit her with the crowbar. You just, you just have to defend yourself. So it's not really... No. Shit. Oh, and in my one, uh, he's looking at a video of Mia on his iPhone <laughs> and he just throws his phone out the helicopter. What the hell? <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I, I saw that cutscene. It's really but- stupid. Like, it's so I, I I just wanted to know because I could just watch the other one on YouTube anyway. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I I really wanted to experience like the like the the, the controversial choice just the, to know the, the path less traveled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and like so I don't know about you guys. I really didn't like the ship section. I thought it was bad. I loved it. <laughs> okay, just Eve, I'm at the point now where I'm too tired to even okay. argue. Just what did you like about it? I had a lot of weaponry, and I had a lot of molded to shoot, and then there was bombs. The bombs are pretty good. And the ship was fun, and you found out kind of all of the lore on the ship. You found out, like, Mia's actually this, like, government agent who was there posing as a mom for this government experiment with this other guy. She's a highly trained soldier. You go into a flashback where Mia's a highly trained soldier. I guess, like... And up to this, you have, like, Ethan kind of like, oh, I'm struggling with my knife, and she gets a really big knife. But, like, I I kind of knew all that. It's Resident Evil, you know? It's like, yeah, the uh, science and government shit. That's how these things go. But you need to put it in there. Do you, though? You do. The T-virus. No, you... Oh, you don't. You don't. Because otherwise it was just, like, a family who were kind of gone crazy. That would have been awesome. But I would have spent another four hours in that John, house. John, it's called Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. They have to have, like, some sort of chemical... But Why? Because that's the core of Resident Evil. I think this can play is it, out. This is like, like I don't think it is. I, think I don't it's a think. Prequel to, I, I, but it, but it's viruses fucking up people and turning them evil. No, Resident Evil is being trapped in an environment with dangerous things. Uh, years ago, but yeah. the last like four, five, and six weren't. And the movies—they're all about virus. Four, four totally is. Okay, four is, but that five but totally is. Uh, five so is, you're talking about six? No, five is a the virus best adventure. One. Like, no, I don't agree. I just, five, you're not trapped in environments. I don't see that. You keep going to new areas all the time. Well, I mean, it's the same with four, but, like, you still have to know those environments. Like, you're, you're trapped. Like, all five is is a big group of arenas. Yeah. But they, they, they push the T-virus. So, so to you guys, is, like, the sci-fi virus stuff, that's what Resident Evil is? Uh, yeah, like, like yeah. They, they, they move, like, there's no zombies in Resident Evil 7. Yeah, but I didn't say it about zombies. But it's just like the creation. Like, why else? How are you? You're not going to just show me molded and be like, no narrative, like explanation for that. I'm not like, I'm not going to disbelieve. I can, I can throw away like 
that level of thinking for, okay, evil hick family, whatever. Okay, fine. But then you go downstairs and there's molded that have like crazy arms and shit. I would have fucking loved if there was no explanation for that. And that was the only place they appeared in the game. I would have been like, man, what are they doing down there? Like, I, 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 I knew right away that, okay, they're in the bayous. Like, they are clearly getting runoff of some sort of chemical. And that's what's going on. Yeah, no, totally. But... I didn't need, like, an entire sequence to tell me that. I like that section, because then it's like, with the little girl as well, you you realise that the mould is actually her vomiting. That was gross. Like, that was cool gross. (laughs) (laughs) She's just, like, throwing up mould and getting people infected, and then they want to, like, play with her or be her mom and a dad, and she's just like, well, I'm going to take over your mind with my mould spores, and you're going to do what I want. (laughs) It's fine. It was just, it was cheesy Resident Evil. Not new. It definitely felt like familiar territory at the end. Mm-hmm. Like I just, you know, just feel like it should be more. But you know how like, the- <laughs> <laughs> whatever what from Resident Evil's history ever gave you the idea that it should be better story or clever? <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, that's not fair because like I'm not talking about like clever story writing or anything. I'm talking about like actual like an experience that affect that's effective and stays with you. Resident Evil One, Resident Evil Remake, Resident Evil Two, even arguably Three, Four. They stay with you. They're good games. They're great games. They're not hampered by the fact that they're cheesy sci-fi because they work within that tone well. But I don't think seven. Resident is Evil either. Seven doesn't. No, I think it like it hits the right notes. It has those moments that make you go. Seven was the one with Jack, and that was crazy. Seven one was the happy birthday tape. Seven is with the little girl who's actually not a little girl. You know, it's yeah. Like, but I think like the the Jack bit, yeah, totally. Even like the you know the the pre bit with Mia chasing me around the kind of side house, awesome as well. Just those other bits, they just felt so, such a drop in quality. And like, with Remake, with 2, with 4, I don't see any part of them that's a drop in quality. There's bits like 12 arrows into 4 that have their own animation, their own like modeling, their own crazy things. These like 12 second set pieces. So much love and effort went into 4. And it's campy as fuck. It's way more campy than 7. Yeah. But I still love it. You know, you can suplex monks in four. There's a little fucking, like, like dwarf character that you run around and fight. Like, all that stuff's great. But I'm what not... you're saying is you want more of it, not that it shouldn't be there then. Because I would love more of it. I would love to suplex the molded. I would love way more weird I really, really wish there was stuff. new enemies in the... Yeah. I would love them to put the resources into this, this shit that they should and that they're not anymore. I think I I agree completely with that. That like I think the ship section could have been better. I think there was a drop in difficulty. I don't know if you guys felt that. I was like kitted out at the end. Like yeah, machine guns, yeah, it was pretty, like, I like, barely had to use any ammo with the but, yeah. but that's that like so this that's my kind of point. With the ship it just felt like phoned into me, you know? And like the biggest part of it was like, look, if you want to say that the lore is fine, they just didn't represent it very well through the game yeah okay but that's kind of my issue you know it's like Mm -hmm. it just felt like such a drop in quality from the start of the game and i don't get that with the best resident evils and that's what i think a good resident evil should be it should be a good experience start to finish because these games cost 70 euros but i don't think this is a good game i think it's a resident evil game and that it is good for what it is you know i'm not gonna this is not for everyone But when did resident evil start being that four three Two possible. I think four is an incredible. I think they're niche games. Four though. is my favorite. Uh, no, no, four is pretty popular. I think yeah. five. I think five is when people were just like, hang on, like six is six isn't good. I still think five's a better game than seven. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, 
Anyway. I didn't mind the ship so much because there's been a bunch of ships before in previous Resident Evil games. It's not like... It's a familiar location in those games. Yeah. I still just... I just wish there was better. I don't get I, I, I wish there was it enemies. before, it justifies it. Like, I still don't get that. But Because like, we're at number seven in a continuing, like, story. In this a isn't, house game. Yeah, yeah, this isn't, like, new lore. This isn't, like... We're, this isn't a reboot. This is part of what this is, you know? I just wish it had new enemies in that area. I think they, they could have done... Like a whole idea. Yeah, totally. Like, I'm not against the ship. I just felt I re- like... I, I, I think it would have been cool if they used the elevator system and there was uh, an undefeatable creature that goes up and down all the floors. Like, just something. That, yeah, like, you know, something now, chasing. Like, that, to me, now we're fucking talking. Like, if you're going to, like, you know, mine what's been a Resident Evil, give us, you know, another nemesis. Give us something crazy yeah, like and that. And he'll just yeah. show up. Those sequences would have been awesome. And I agree with that. And that's my problem with it, you know? I would like that, too. And, like, in terms of, like, the zany tone, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, well, they didn't stick it because the same resources didn't go into creating that same zany tone as did creating like the legitimately scary tone from the start of it do you think how fast this was announced and it came out has to do with that like i think they got this out the door pretty quickly which is really unusual for a triple a game yeah because like i think that you're right like the second half was like is lighter and less developed completely yeah because because then the final area is the salt mines and that is just that's the worst it's the most boring fucking place but like that's what i was saying where like they made an environment and then they just you know dropped a bunch of enemies in different locations Mm -hmm. and that's what i really hated and i don't think it was bad i don't i don't think the ship was that bad but there were elements there too so yeah, at least the ship had some flashback stuff. Like, like yeah, like the ship was... still had some interesting stuff. I guess the the, the... Sayako stuff really bothered me because I was like, oh come on, dudes! Like we've seen this. What I would really like if on the ship you found a console and there was like an email video attachment from Ada Wong or like Leon Kennedy. Like if there was some like extra little callback you know, like that. I was really holding out hope right till the end that you'd go into like an office and it would the chair would spin around and fucking Albert West could yeah. be there and like that would have been so dumb and so stupid but it would at least me and let me go like ah you got me I thought I punched you into a volcano yeah so it's like come play up a bit more to your Resident Evilness. yeah like, be more Resident Evil I guess like if you're gonna go that campy you should go all the way and I don't feel like they did mm-hmm. and then I felt like I guess the final bit that really had me rolling my eyes is like the monologue. What's the main character's name? Ethan. Ethan. Ethan gives in the helicopter at the end where he's like, <laughs> they say that you never, one door never opens without another closing and a door closed today. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Ethan's such a non-character. Like yeah. he really is. So the final boss of the game it turns out all along that Grandma in the wheelchair was Evelyn, the little girl. Which I was like, that's okay, cool. Because yeah. the whole time you see Grandma and you're like, but like, I, I tried shooting her and you can't. Did you shoot her? You can't shoot her. I couldn't do it though. I didn't even try because I was like, I can't shoot her. She's because you're weak in a chair. Is what you're trying I, to say. I, I really, really like, you know. Oh, I tried to go at her with the knife, everything. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> In, in, in this game, I just thought, okay, I'll, I'll try what I'll try and do the things I'm not supposed to do. Yeah, I like testing the limits of games too. But I was like, I was actually holding the gun at her, and I was like, "Will I?" And my girlfriend's like, "No," and I was like, "Yeah, I can't." Like, I was like, "Really?" This fucking spooky family wants to mess with me. I'm gonna take away something they love, yeah. nanny. <laughs> and so grandma she's like I'm all grey and withered but I'm actually a little girl and then she dissolves into a big giant face and she goes full Tetsuo yeah okay so like the twist that it was the grandma the whole time 
I was like, yeah, you. I was like, yeah, okay, neat. Like, sure. That's the twist of the final chapter movie. <laughs> yeah. what? This is what I'm saying. They're all connected. <laughs> Fuck. There's like a like a person who's on the board of Umbrella Corp is actually the little girl Red Queen, but she has the accelerated like aging process as well. I'm like, gonna watch all those movies. They all tie in. I was just like, it's oh, so hey, this is clever. <laughs> it's so amazing. A tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> Um, like yeah like it wasn't a bad twist but I was also a bit like why like why because why not because <laughs> why not so when um, you're fighting the giant head like a gun drops from a plane oh yeah and it's like the perfect gun yeah you just need four fucking so shots off did you guys thing. do that the first time yeah I died five times what why there's a bit where she grabs you and you're meant to shoot her hand or her tentacle mm. I didn't know that I just kept shooting her face. Yeah, I kept shooting her in the face as well. Because I kept doing that. I shot her in the face so many times and she'd eat me. I got eaten like five times. For me, it was before she transformed and you're going up to her and she keeps doing her shockwave blast and you have to put your hand up to guard. But you have to like, like run up, stop guard, run up, stop guard. And I kept fucking that up until eventually I got close up at that auto place. I was really hoping that he's going to run up to her and just fucking wham. But he didn't. He's really, really rude about her. He's like, we're going to kill this fucking bitch. Yeah. I was like, that's a little girl. Yeah, it's like fun. Although I guess it's a weird fucked up grandma. Maybe that's okay. But, um, and then everyone's favorite character (laughs) (laughs) from the Resident Evil universe shows up. Motherfucking Chris Redfield. He's the most charismatic man on the planet. Chris has lost a lot of weight. He's, also, lost, a of, he's lost a lot of body mass. He's also, had so many redesigns. Yeah, his face is... He looks like the guy from Prison Break. That's the guy who plays him in the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's just that it guy. all ties in. <laughs> so, do you think there's anyone out there who saw Chris and was like, No way! It's our boy! Like, do you think anyone lost their shit when Chris Redfield... I was really happy when he Oh my god, but you don't even like Chris. You like Leon. Like if it was yeah, Leon, I'd be like, no way, it's Leon. I was just happy to see one of them because I don't like Ethan. I'd, I'd be cool if it was Jake Wesker and he's like, my dad's kind of a dick. <laughs> I'm, I think, I'm Troy Baker. I think it would be good if uh, you, you're you like flying in the helicopter at the end and he goes, where are we going, Chris? And then Chris, like he's flying the helicopter and he turns around and he's got like Wesker's red eyes and he just goes, Raccoon City, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, an exterior shot of the helicopter with Ethan screaming and cut to credits. That's Any you way you want. <laughs> just, just fucking hard cut. Oh, guys, I think we got to end this podcast soon. It's two and a half hours long. We're done. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us for whatever the fucking hell that was. Um, I had a lot of fun. Do we like Resident Evil? Like, we talked about it for half an hour. Does Resident Evil 7 get into the Let's Fight a Boss <gasps> Hall of Hard Work and Success? Neve, what do you say? Yeah! Brian, what do you say? I don't think there is hard work. I do think there is success. <laughs> That's not what it's about. That's not what it's <laughs> about. Fuck it! Yeah! I'm driving, boy. It's going in. <laughs> and I'm going to conclude with an absolute definitive... No, it does not! Everyone will see you in two weeks. Thank you very much! This shit jumping years active. Heard you ask how laxa, but that bitch passed it. These is a more monologues. Got my foot on the gas with the gas on cautious. Y'all nowadays make me nervous. 
Got tried with the law, they gon' drop all the charges. Hoes nowadays on the cautious. Got caught from my dog who supply all my sauces. Oh, can't lose. I got juice, and they know I do. Oh, can't lose. I got juice, and they know I do. Come do with your paws, get nasty. Cause I got the sauce, yeah. Oh, can't lose. I got juice, and they know I do. Y'all nowadays make me anxious. I'ma need more space till the new place spaces. Y'all nowadays imitations. When it comes to the real, no, it ain't no replacing. Too much sauce in the roster. Like the roster's pasta, I whip with my dogs, yeah. I'm only here for it all, yeah. All y'all wanna all drop the ball in the process. The person you notice, I pulled up in that newness. I get and go, what you doing? A champagne campaign, worry about a damn thing. Got the diamonds dancing, got the girls dancing. Make do it. She shake it, make it jiggle, make it pop. You drive a long, throwing money nonstop. Work, 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 that's a lot. You deserve something new off the lot. Can't lose, I got juice, and they know I do. Can't lose, I got juice, and they know I do. Come through. With your paws, getting nasty Cause I got the sauce, yeah, uh Can't lose, I got juice And they know I do, uh Can't lose, I got juice And they know I do, yeah, uh Can't lose, I got juice And they know I do, come through With your paws, getting nasty Cause I got the sauce, yeah, uh Can't lose, I got juice And they know I do, uh